welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dillon Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's good, webheads, along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, and A.J. Riley. I'm Matt Basson. Welcome to Sports Carnage. Big day for us here. Got a, some college basketball to discuss, a worldwide outbreak that's messing with sports platforms around the world, uh, some NFL for you, and uh, some Grizzly takes to finish us off. So we'll dive right in to college basketball as we inch ever so closer to the best time of the year. The big dance, the Big Ten, is finishing things up in the next week or so. And Maryland, still with a one-game lead over Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin, two-game lead over Penn State and Iowa, a three-game lead over Ohio State, and a four-game lead over over Michigan and Rutgers. The Spartans right now, as we are uh, broadcasting on Tuesday, are trying to hold on after coming back from 19 down against Penn State. Maryland was putting... Sorry, is getting taken out to the woodshed. Rutgers putting a 20-point whooping on the Terrapins in Rutgers, which is the only place they can win because they are 1-8 away from... Did you say in Rutgers? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's New Rutgers. Jersey. Say, say Piscataway. You know, say, say in, in, in Rutgers. Ru- you could say at Rutgers, not in Rutgers. Rutgers could, is not yes, a location. It's a place. Fine. They're at in Rutgers. Rutgers Stadium. There you Freaking go. English I, I don't think it's that's what in it's New called. Jersey at in Rutgers. Rutgers locker rooms. It's in Piscataway. You, <laughs> you know what I meant, goddamn. No, we didn't. Speak <laughs> so you're not misunderstood. Uh, it's in New Jersey. It ain't there in Maryland. That's where they're playing right now. By the way, it's called Rutgers Athletic Center. I don't give a damn. The What's, RAC. You ever been to Rutgers? I have. There ain't a damn thing to talk about out there. Uh, it's New Jersey. There's plenty of That's stuff to talk nice. about. Yeah, it's they got nice really, really good Stromboli's. That's about it. Uh, Just I mean, go to Atlanta. Frank Sinatra was from New Jersey. And... And that man's dead. The last great thing. Is that all they do all day in New Jersey? Oh, I didn't talk about New Jersey. New Jersey's got plenty of good things. I'm talking about actually where Rutgers is. You don't want to be there unless you are on campus. It's not no scenery, nothing like that? Uh... Drug users and gunshot victims. Okay, fair enough. Not a place. I'm <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I'm glad that we don't have any listeners in New Jersey. I'm just saying. I've flown into. I've flown into the airport right next next to Rutgers. And uh, if, you, if you got time, go away from there and head towards Princeton, much nicer area of New Jersey. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Anyway, so the Big Ten is a mess. It's a it's a scramble for the finish to see who. It's a beautiful. It's a be- mess, it is a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess, and we are going to find out in a few weeks just how good this conference is. Has been the best conference all year. Currently, with one, two, three, four, five, six, eight ranked teams in the Big Ten. Michigan bringing up the rear at twenty-five. Maryland at the top with nine. Uh, so. Eight ranked yeah. teams. Eight That's ranked so, teams. Hey, One out me, of every Let me three. pipe in as somebody who does not follow follow college basketball much at all. Is Please that do. like are we are we a biased podcast because we are Big Ten fans, or is this like a? No. I I get the rankings like eight ranked teams, all that, but is this like a like national people are talking about how dominant yes. this conference is? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I don't know about about the dominant, not- but just how deep and deep. Okay. full of Tough. great talent this yeah. conference is. Okay. The only knock on the Big Ten is if they have the top end talent to contend right. for right. 
for right. a title. Because, I mean, your highest ranked team is, is nine right now, right? And yes. they're going to drop. And, yeah, and, then, uh, and then there are seven between 16 and so 25. You're getting that back half of the top 25 teams in. I mean, we should rack up tourney wins. <laughs> We're I mean, it's kind of a lot like football a lot for the Big Ten, where, you know, there's a whole bunch of ranked teams, but none of them are one, two, or three. Right. I mean, it's like... Or four, or five, six, or seven, You're probably going to have eight teams playing in the second round of the tournament. Like, it's crazy. We're hoping. And that still seems very generous to me. Just because a tournament's so unpredictable. Like, yeah, it's great. And especially this year. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's great that you have all this talent and you have eight teams ranked from 9 to 25, but to almost guarantee eight teams in the second round, that seems like very, very generous. No, I was saying the push should be for five in the Sweet 16. If we get five in the Sweet 16, that's amazing, first of all. Let me just yeah. get that out the way. But that just shows how good this conference really Basically is. Basically, a third of the tournament left is Big Ten. Basically, Basically, yeah. But, I mean, you look at the way this year has been. I mean, you look at the rankings right now. You know, Kansas is number one, and they've been, you know, one of the best teams all year. Gonzaga right behind them. Gonzaga, we know they were always up there near the top, but they're always the argument is, well, you know, who are they playing? They're in the West Coast Conference and all that stuff. Their nearest test is St. Mary's College, who is a good team most of the years, uh, but it's not like they're playing, you know, powerhouses all the time. But then you look at teams, you got Dayton at number three, San Diego State at number five, and then Seton Hall up there at number eight. And Baylor really came out of nowhere to be yeah, but Michi- Michigan beat Gonzaga and Michigan State beat Seton Hall. Dayton at number three. So you have those top teams that Big Ten teams wow. did beat. This yeah, is Dayton's like all news to me. And this is like impressive. I know it's crazy, right? That is crazy because like Dayton was always that team that sat out at like you know twelve that could upset the five. You know what I mean? Like exactly. That was, That's exactly what they were. Now, now they're going to be that one that loses right. to that nine <laughs> right. in the yeah. second round. I mean, Dayton, you think of Dayton and all you think of is the first four because that's where the first four games now happen right. you know, for the Big right. Ten, for the, for the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, they're number three in the country right now. And, you know, with the way this season has gone where you've got these, you know, smaller-named schools, you know, marching their way up the platform and then the bigger-named teams falling back every week, basically. I mean, really, it's just been Kansas. I mean, Baylor's been really good for the last few weeks. They fell to Kansas mm-hmm. and then – you know, that just kind of started a little bit of a slide. But, you know, Duke's had an off year. They've had issues. They lost, what, back-to-back or three straight? Is it three straight? Duke's been, I mean, on a North slide. North Carolina's really down. Oh, North Carolina's the worst team in the ACC this That's year. That's crazy. They're so, so bad. bad this year. It's unbelievable. Like, you would never think a Roy Williams team could ever be this bad. Like, or, teams have Michigan bad years. Michigan literally broke their program. Why? Remind me why. Oh, we just blitz them again. I mean, they were going to be bad anyway, but yeah, Michigan bombed them hmm. in the in the oh, Atlantis tournament. In the Atlantis tournament, I got you. And it's been a struggle ever since. For I mean, it's been that's crazy, really really though. bad. The defending champs, Virginia, just got back into the top twenty-five. Uh, they just upset Duke the other day. For I think that was Duke's third straight loss. They lost a bunch of people though. Yeah, Duke's at twelve now, and I think they were like. No, they were they were high. They were definitely. Oh no, sorry. Second, second, third, third and four games. Oh. Yeah. Third and four. Previous games. ranks. Yeah, seven. lost to NC State, but they beat Vatech. But then they got beat by Wake Forest, and then they got beat by Virginia. Now all these games have been on the road. And How of much of this do you think has to do with like the great coaches, Coach K, Roy Williams, those guys that are like getting up there in age, and maybe the games moving past them? 
You think there's a little bit of that going on? Or do you think I mean, this there could is just be, an I mean, anomaly of a year? No, I mean, I think Kay adapts well. He does, but he, he, he lost. <laughs> all, I mean, the geez, time. look at the names that he lost this year. I mean, right. know, he, he lost the Maple lost Mamba, three. which I'd never heard that nickname <laughs> ever for RJ Barrett. <laughs> you lose a freak in Zion Williamson. That's addition by subtraction, though. Zion's Zion the is the big Zion loss. and Cam. But, I mean, you know, they have, I mean, they got one of our guys who would be, God, we'd be so much better right now if he was playing with us. If he would have chosen us. Like, just someone please choose us over Duke. That's all I want. I want one great player to choose us over Duke in my lifetime. Bro, we just got beat out by Purdue for the 35th player that. in 2021. And Purdue has two first-round picks in, like, 30 years. I, one of them I came from that, us. And it's, it's honestly Seems like some fishy right going on right there. In, I don't know if it's carryover from all of the crap around the university and your mm-hmm. other abomination of a sports Nasser team, situation, that one? your recruiting is really on a dip for basketball, and it doesn't make sense. Like, you come into the season ranked number one. Um, you, yeah, you had a little blip, but you're, you're still a top team right now. You're good chance to win the Big Ten. Uh, it's, it's just weird to see, like, and I don't know if it's Izzo's – not going as hard. Maybe he's done in a couple years. I don't know what it is, but it, it is weird. Well, I mean, who was the last great recruit that was, you know, like a top flight recruit, going to be a top five pick in the NBA that Izzo coached and did really well with? See, I thought you were going somewhere I mean, else. Jaron Jackson that. went number three. And I th- yeah, but he did nothing at MSU. Bridges was good here, and then he's a lottery pick. Because yeah, he but stayed I, in extra But what did we year, do with him? Right? We got knocked out in the first round. I mean, he would have been a lottery pick right. anyway. But we got but. knocked out in the first round one of his years. And then the next year, what? Was it the Sweet 16? Was he the year I mean, that you guys were in, two and got beat by the 15? That's not like in admonishment on yes. the Miles Bridges. Yeah, Miles Bridges was here when we were the two and fault. got beat by the 15. Cassius just had yeah. such a But it is kind of a, a, like a, a knock against Miles. Gary especially Harris in a good. game for, with and five players. Like a, a, a team that's ranked two. Getting beat by 15 when you got one of the best players in the country on the floor, like that, that is kind of a little bit of a knock on him. It's a I, huge knock. But you the, know what I mean. In my I opinion, say, like though, the, so that's I cannot, I, I I have not in my lifetime seen a bigger upset in college in any sport. Granted, I mostly watched the major two, um, but the one thing I will say in defense of that is. Basketball is one of the ultimate. Oh, Virginia yeah, lost like, hot the next year. Things can happen, but it, it that's to, not nearly the, to the as golden big retrievers. Not nearly as big to me. Not with who was on that MSU team. The expectations for that team, it, it was in. It. But also, Virginia was the was overall Virginia, number one seed that year. Yeah, Paul's, Paul's so out his ass reliant. on this. One. Yeah, it's, it's just no, bias of hate of Michigan was State. So reliant, it's not. But it's it not. Is. And Duke also lost to Lehigh yeah, as a 15. I don't, I, I don't know Even without times, looking at the roster, I, I would bet Duke has more talent than I have Michigan to State say it. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I, I like Michigan like State. Now let me just badmouth them for the next 20 minutes. Is, as, I'm not badmouthing <laughs> them at all. It was a bad loss. And I'm, but and their I'm loss trying. four years ago it is was, the worst in the history of the union. But the worst upset? I'm actually trying to defend them because in basketball is the ultimate if a team gets hot, they can oh, take out 100%. literally anybody just by shooting lights out. And that's where Virginia was way more susceptible to upset because Virginia plays a very grinded out, especially that yeah. year. 
The following year, when they turned around and won it all, they were much better, much better on offense. The year that they got upset as a number one seed, yeah, they had a great year scoring 50 freaking points a game. They literally won on just suffocating mm-hmm. defense. All it took was anybody to get hot and make a bunch of shots. And, and that one dude down. from UMBC could not they were, miss. They were literally Yeah, picked. little dude. You, you can number one seed all you want. They were picked by so many people to go down early. That Michigan State team, the way that they were built, their offensive firepower, the fact that they were considered a huge title threat, in Middle Tennessee was a bad team. And they got hot in that No, happens. but State That's but State was an overrated team that year. We could not create turnovers, and we had turnover issues ourselves. Yeah. We were such an think, overrated think squad that. that year. Think it was about ridiculous. that for a second. Think about that for a second. Your justification of a team being overrated is they could not create turnovers. That is like not in the top ten of when you are a Michigan State program, defense is what you hang your hat on. You damn right. Ten of relevant things that a basketball in your mind, sure, but at Michigan State, that's what they hang their hat on. In reality, I don't care what your identity of your program is. That is reality, and. You got upset by a team that shot lights out, and you picked a bad time to have a sloppy bad game. It happens. It's not. And we had a a bad leader. It is one. Denzel Valentine. In a series of them, and you guys had a bad stretch. I mean, you guys didn't make it to the second weekend for years, despite having a ton of top end talent. And by far, the worst stretch of that was. Year, the year that you got upset is a two, and then the following year when you had Jaron Jackson Jr. and Miles Bridges and lost to Syracuse in one of the worst games I've ever seen. And that's But you would think now you had your run last year, you were back to more Michigan State style of ball, much more built around a team of players who know their role. In a, shut your in mouth! Miles Bridges and a Jaron Jackson Jr. You are... People that know your role. And last year you went on a run to the Final Four. This year you came into the season ranked number one overall. Which I still, which I said at the beginning, I don't understand why they were the far and away number one. Well, well, they were assuming Josh Langford would play. And then two days after that ranking came out, Langford fucking served for the year. And, and that's huge. And they, I mean, they just didn't change it. It's not they didn't have an obligation to change it, but. If you would have told them before, hey, Langford's not going to play, Michigan State wouldn't be number one. Now, it'd still be like top oh, five. Oh, absolutely. But. And I was fine with top five. I didn't understand the far away number one. We lost we lost our you know two best shooters and didn't replace them. You know, there was all this expected growth. Well, Langford between, can shoot. Well, yeah, I know. But I'm talking about actual players who played for Michigan State, not guys that just showed up at practice and sat there injured. So you lose McQuaid. <laughs> you lose Kenny Goins. <laughs> You lose Nick Ward down low. Those are three huge pieces that you have to find a way to replace. Now, the expect expectations were that Henry was going to replace some of it. Kyle Aarons was going to replace some of it. Tillman was going to step up and so forth and so on. And Tillman has been very good and has been the only one to really step forward. But he's given issues as well. But Aarons hasn't stepped up enough. Henry hasn't stepped up enough. No, there's – I mean, not – and not necessarily with Arns, even though he's had, he's had his spots. But Henry and Watts lately have played uh, oh, much better. better. And, and State's playing much better because of it. Yeah, it just took, it took him a while. It definitely obviously took him longer than uh, – And Watts, you could understand. Than Tillman, who – Watts is a rookie. He's a freshman. Yeah, Watts yeah. is a But Henry, you know, there's no there, – you Henry stepped up big last year in the tournament. 
And so the expectation was he was going to continue that growth. And that growth did not continue in the first half of the season. Far from it. I was looking at the Middle Tennessee and Michigan State game just because I was curious. I didn't realize how many fouls we had that game. 22 to 13. Who pretty much all of our starters had three, except Deontay Davis. I hate him. Uh, He had two. But Denzel had four. Matt Costello had three. Aaron Harris had three. Uh, Forbes had three. And then, Jesus Christ. Was it Middle Tennessee so State 11 19? Bridges wasn't part of that team, was he? Mich- he came the next Michigan year. State 11 24. No. no. Yeah, he was, was not. not he, he didn't play with Denzel. That was Denzel's last year. But as far as the fouls, I mean, you got to expect that. Every time we get in the tournament, if it's not a Big Ten ref crew, we get hit with fouls all day long because the. It's just the way we I mean, play. It, it sort of helped. I mean, it didn't help because you had the best players off the floor, but Middle Tennessee State didn't necessarily capitalize on it in terms of free throws made. They shot 13 to 21, and we only shot 10 to 15. <laughs> so it's not like means we you weren't into better. the hoop very well. We didn't do anything very well that game. I mean, you know, literally I mean, nothing. W- sure. There no, I mean, be... well, we shot five more threes than they did, and we made the same amount. Right. So you're settling for threes, not running your offense, not getting in the lane, not getting to the basket, not drawing fouls. I mean that's that's we'll not executing. Yeah, we had, we had thirty two pointers and twenty four three pointers. Okay, so this game just went. Final. We actually didn't shoot like we didn't shoot bad I mean, that game. It's just like we scored eighty one points. It's just fucking like middle of Tennessee State shot better. So we just went final. State came back from nineteen down in the first half, sixteen at halftime. Yeah. To win this game, seventy nine to seventy one. What about Maryland? Beautiful. They lose. Really? Uh, they were down 21 when they showed the score. Oh, they're only down nine now with 44 seconds left. But they, they fought back, but they're down nine with 44 seconds left. They fought back to lose by single digits. Congratulations. What are they, Big Ten right. Network probably? Um, you'd think they'd have to be. Yeah, no, they're on, no it's, it's Big Ten. It'd have to be a network. It's Big Ten Network. Come on. It's a Big yeah. Ten. That's, that's wild. Oh, that's because that's Rutgers is free falling. This is a huge win for Rutgers to secure their spot. In the yeah, because they were like they were on the like bubble. This, this game secures their spot in the tournament. This is a huge win for Rutgers. So we are now, so Michigan State is now tied for first in the Big Ten. It's go. final. Rutgers win seventy eight sixty seven. Go blue. Yeah, you want them to beat <laughs> Maryland, right? How many times have you uttered that phrase? That'd be is the, that the, the first time ever. in your life? Uh, a, a couple, probably like three or four when it helped Michigan State. A lot of times when Michigan was like playing Ohio State, and like if it flipped, Michigan State would would have won the Big Ten, and it didn't happen. <laughs> and then I think a couple other times for basketball, too. What was the year Michigan, Wisconsin, and Ohio State, or Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State all tied for the Big Ten? I remember rooting for because Michigan State beat Wisconsin that year head-to-head. And football, obviously. And then um, they didn't play Ohio State that year. And Wisconsin beat Ohio State. So whoever was ranked the highest, I think, is who they determined went to the Rose Bowl. Um, But if Michigan beat Ohio State the last week of the season, it would have gone head-to-head, and then Michigan State would have got to go to the Rose Bowl. And that didn't happen. Yeah, because Michigan can't beat Ohio State. But that was a a huge – AJ, say that louder for the people in the back. I said Michigan can't beat Ohio State. (laughs) So fun – so just a little tidbit. Like we were talking about how deep the Big Ten is, right? So ESPN, their four college basketball guys, they picked the all the tournament winners for each conference. And the Big Ten, all four of them picked a different team 
And even more surprising, none of them picked Maryland or Michigan State. Who'd they pick? Good. Chip won the Throw shoulder, them out there. So Il- Illinois got wow. a pick, Michigan got a pick, Ohio State got a pick, and Iowa got a wow. pick. Good. I mean, so that, but that, see, that, that would help. That would help the Big Ten's chances the in the tennis. tournament if one of those four teams were to pull it out, because Maryland's a lock, Michigan State's a lock. All these all these teams are locks. Like literally, there's only a couple teams that, like the one that would, a team like Minnesota or Indiana, those are the teams that would be huge. Or even, I mean, imagine it's impossible because they're trash. But like, imagine Northwestern winning the Big Ten tournament and just screwing up everything. Like for others conferences, really. It, but hey, it could end up stealing a bid from the lower Big Ten team. Like you don't get no, in if you win the tournament automatically, right? Yeah, you do. You yep. do. Oh, yeah. Tournament yeah. champion yeah. gets it automatically. You win, you win your Why did I not know that? I should have known that. And and what's it's what's crazy right. is that that screwed so many lower conference champions. I, the big, the one that always sticks out to me was Green Bay a few years ago that won like twenty seven games, right. something yeah. like that. Didn't win their conference tournament and did not get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. I knew. I knew. It's okay. I Oakland didn't win that conference tournament either, second, but I did. They're in it. Won their game night. I fully round, believe maybe. if you win the regular season tri- title, you should be in the tournament as well. Absolutely not. Regular season, yeah. I'm I'm with Paul on this one. I mean, the tournament's meaningless too, unless you're fucking in the Horizon I, the, League. You say the tournament's meaningless, but it, what's the NCAA tournament? That's how we crown our champion. Like, not. I mean, that tournament's not meaningless. What was the Big Ten tournament? Well, an automatic bid. Unless, like, unless you weren't going to get in. It determines the real champ of the conference, just like that. The NCAA real champ of the conference. The See, Paul loves saying that go. because of the years Ooh, Michigan, Michigan won the Big Ten tournament really, without winning the actual Big Ten. I, I don't care. I don't even Four care games matters a lot more than 30, according to Paul. We've also... Uh, yeah, six games in the real tournament matters a lot more than 30, according to Paul. I, I mean, it cuts both ways. If you want no, to talk one's about for the national regular, championship, one's just for the conference. So it does one's for a yeah, conference. That doesn't. That, I'm sorry, that doesn't cut the mustard for me. The national championship, you yes, the six games matters. But for the conference you, tournament, it's the not thing. the same you, thing. You're, you're, it's not the same prize. It's the exact. It's not the exact same, same, it's the exact same thing. It's a completely different prize. Not the exact same season isn't over. Process. There's a difference. How are you saying that the same exact kind of tournament that we use to determine the national champ outweighs the regular season? Because it's not the same kind. If you lose in the conference t- tournament, your season isn't over. You have a chance to still fucking win something. It is for a lot of teams. Actually, for the vast majority of college basketball, it's over when Well, yeah, if you're in, in or the Horizon League or not the Sun Belt the or one League, thing like that, then yes. Most Power 5 teams. No, not most Power There are only 60. There are only 60. What do you mean not most Power 5 teams? The How rare occasion where a really shit Power 5 team somehow goes on that run to win it, yes. But the majority of the time, the conference winner in the Power 5 was also one of the top four or five teams right. in that conference. They, and, yeah, and they were making the tournament anyway. So they there were making what, the dance regardless. You're referencing Butler teams. a few years there, ago. There's, there's like, I think there's 68 Power 5 teams. There is How many do you think get bids in the tournament? 30, 32? No, more than that now. I would. I don't think so would, at all. Of the power, power five, five I, I would say so probably about about forty five of the sixty eight. You're high, forty five. You no, you think right. more than we'll twenty three teams all those, in the all those are lower, not power five All those teams? lower tournaments. You're talking or those lower other than the anomaly of this year. Probably every seed from eight down, I would imagine, is power five guys. That's a lot of teams. 
I mean, then you have team obviously like San Diego State, who I don't think so are not there a are or Gonzaga, but they're they're really good. There and they're are, gonna make them anyway. there are twenty seven non power five leagues. Twenty seven. So at a minimum, at a minimum, twenty seven of your sixty some odd bids are non power five teams. Plus you have the at larges from there. The Big East puts a few at large in every single year. And there are other Hang smaller on. conferences. Sorry. Yeah, you say Power 5, but we got to lump in the Big East with that group. Not anymore. Of course, you're, you're not going to say Villanova's part of that group? It's not Power 5. I mean, I said Power 5. I said Semantics said. at this point. Yeah. Like, he won his argument. I'm talking about actual lower-level yeah. leagues, Paul. The Big East is not lower level. The point is, you so you're both right. give weight to... Those teams suck. You cannot anyway. give like, it's not weight. like Vanderbilt is going to make the tournament just because they're power five. You, you can't give weight and say, oh, the national title matters that happens in a tournament, but the conference title happens in the tournament doesn't matter. The whole point of a tournament is who, There's already a who is title. the best team at the end of the year. There's a regular season title, too. Number one seed. Or baby. who's the hottest team crown, at the end of the year. We crown a title. We, you, don't we fucking, crown a regular, <laughs> you don't get anything for that. That's not even a little true. We crown a regular season champ every year, and it is documented. Number one seed every single year. You can go back. You don't get anything for it. You get the number one seed. You don't get a trophy. You don't get a banner. Uh, you could if you wanted I mean, the to. The Lions hang off playoff appearance I mean, banners, so you could give a banner out for anything nowadays. They, they took those down. You, you, you can make a Doesn't matter. They hung it up. Actually, no, I, I don't even I think don't they took them down. I think they well, just I mean, disintegrated. Say, I mean, same. I think uh, I think it is. What is it? Teams hang up um, like tournament appearance banners. Something. I think it is absolutely pathetic to be like, oh, yeah, we won the regular season. Well, maybe if you guys won the regular season once. You I, we've won way. the regular season plenty of times and not won the conference tournament, and I don't care at all. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I don't nothing. know. Being the best team out of 30 games, that means something. I'm not saying that you overweigh that with the tournament or anything the like that. The only thing it, it means is that you had, a, you had a good start to the season and you kept it going. Like, congratulations. You, you, you were better earlier. Congrats. You were really good in November and December. Awesome. Like, I think I that care. overstates the case a little bit. I mean, your conference championship is you playing I mean, against all the teams I'm not, I'm not sitting here celebrating conference. our first place finish in the Big Ten in football last year. Like What? Wait, what? what? It's meaningless. What? We, we tied for first in the East. Oh, the Jim Harbaugh method. That's, that's my point. It's, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Wait, wait. How do you tie, how do we tie for first in the win. East when we lost <laughs> like, to Ohio State and Penn State? Because Ohio State also had a lot. No, not this year. The year before. I was last year. I was so confused. I was like, wait a minute. Ohio State was the just lost one last big year. Game. Last year would be this past football season. This is so this year. It was literally a different year on the calendar. <laughs> we played on New Year's Day. We had this discussion yeah. last week. Paul, you're, talking apparently, about, you're talking about two football Where seasons? if you start a league on December 31st, 2018, 2018 is the, the league year. It still doesn't make sense. Whatever. Last football season, it whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's not this football. This football season oh hasn't happened yet. Like, last football right. season is over. The point over. is you're the right. regular season doesn't matter. The regular season doesn't matter. Win your postseason. That's what matters. Or don't and make the tournament anyway. And lose. Like, okay. no, but, that's, but here's the thing like back in the day like the end of the 90s early 2000s Michigan State fans rooted for Michigan State to not win the Big Ten tournament because they wanted the Spartans to have some rest before the actual tournament and like the year that they won it all they didn't win the Big Ten tournament I believe in 2000 
and then went on to win the whole thing. So it all started this belief that, oh, we shouldn't win the Big Ten tournament because all it does is make our guys tired, and we'd rather have that rest before the actual dance. I don't know. I, rest is good, but... Load yeah, management, baby. For, for something like basketball, sure, but too much time off can be a very bad thing as it's well. It's like the... Uh, yes, the NBA Tigers tournament. are proof of that. No, nobody I mean, wants to do that. <laughs> the Tigers are absolute proof of that. I mean, Michigan I winning the Big Ten sports. tournament rode that momentum through the... T- you know the what I mean? Time, like, the only time rest is ever, ever good in sports is if it allows a banged-up team to get healthy. That's it. Yeah, but right. I and think the, that and also, in the Big Ten, all teams are banged up because we play physical. Yeah, and that also, I think that's also dictated by the type of sports that you play. Is time off in football good? Yeah. But too much time would be bad no. because that game speed is, is difficult is difficult to maintain. I mean, how, how, many times, how many times have you seen football teams lose coming off a bye? Or no, I know. They rest their players at the end. Right. The Patriots and they get upset. Early. I'm with you on that, like, and like like basketball getting into that game flow and stuff like that. Like that's very you cannot recreate that in practice, no matter how hard you go. Like like nothing's more satisfying than watching the Rams rest all their starters for no reason and then lose. I mean that's why know, the Clippers aren't nine gonna straight. What are like nine AFC championship appearances with the Patriots? Where they are all with buys, so you know it looks like the rest does them good. You think it's because of the rest? I think it helps. You 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 explaining the Patriots dynasty with rest. Well, I mean, I think it certainly I helps. I think it's a factor. Deflating footballs also helped. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Jesus Christ! And begging on trash no, that wasn't Patriots. Patriots. But also, I think Deflate Gate's a joke. Just for so I can go on the record because I correct the joke. So My favorite thing is the first thing that came out was Aaron Rodgers saying, "I actually like them overinflated." Well, that's cheating too, apparently. But no one said a damn thing about it. Uh, overinflated is the stupidest thing in the world. Why would you want to throw it? I think underinflated is stupid. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it depends on... Well, well Aaron Rodgers got snitched on because he said that in an Look, interview like two years ago. I know earlier, this is like way off topic, like, well, but I'll just, I'll just throw this out them. there. Like, if Tom Brady could not tell that they were underinflated, nobody could tell. Like, to, to know, like, there's a test that was done of, like, it being at what they said it was at, like I think it was twelve and a half psi, and it's supposed to be at thirteen and a half or something like that. Like you couldn't even tell the ball was underinflated. So it's like, it's a joke. It's a joke. People, anyway, people just love section. finding different ways and to order his ball boys huh? to underinflate them. They hate greatness. Yeah, it's what so it you is. find Everybody ways to discredit hates. them any way yeah. you can. Whatever. Back to basketball. That was like six years ago. <laughs> Nobody cares. The biggest irony to me was the fact that. They corrected the balls at halftime. And then scored the Colts got their the ass handed to them in the yeah, second half. Like, that was what it, off of it was like. Well, that's because they deflated their confidence. Yeah, and it was like, I don't know. Going after them it's like, when okay. that was like all the all the evidence pointed to like, hey, this was not a big deal, but yet you made a, a mountain out of a molehill, Roger Goodell. Congratulations for being the second worst commissioner in all of sports. Like, you're an idiot. Well, just don't cheat then. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I assume that, in your opinion, the worst commissioner... Rob Manfred, hands down. Okay, all right, which is what I I mean, Gary Bettman's terrible, too, but nobody cares. Gary Bettman's god-awful. There's no way way you can say Bettman is not worse than Roger Goodell. No way. I mean, he's bad, but I don't know. I mean, I've watched maybe three hockey games in the last, like, seven years combined, so I know nothing about hockey or Gary Bettman. Here's all you need to know. One thing you need to know. In what should have been our back-to-back Stanley Cup year for the Red Wings, Game Three, and we are up two games are we about to nothing. Yes, can we, not, we are up two can we not, can games we to none against. Can we not open these Pittsburgh? Open them. And we are up in the game on. two nothing. 
And Pittsburgh has a sixth man on the ice for 21 seconds, AJ. 21 seconds they had an extra man on the ice. Gary Bettman is at the game. And they don't blow the whistle to give us a power play, which we most likely score on, go up 3 nothing in that game, That's most likely win that game. And go up well, three nothing well, in the series and win back to back titles. Also can't count past <laughs> like, five, so it doesn't matter. And that what was it? Was it the? Oh, I'm trying to think. And if they didn't take away their championship either, it just proves you See, you need to you cheat. Proven Paul's point. No consequences. Proven Paul's point. Uh, what about uh, what's his name getting suspended against Tampa in the playoffs? The most egregious goddamn suspension Green. in the universe. Uh, Look, I didn't mean to open a can of worms with commissioners. I think <laughs> you have three really bad ones. You actually have four really bad ones, but Silver gets a completely free pass because he's less terrible than the others and doesn't say offensive shit. Or investigate stuff that doesn't need oh, to he, be investigated. He doesn't get a pass or, from me. That Draymond Green suspension is will forever be bullshit. Yeah, that oh was... My yeah. God. Will forever it's, be bullshit. He didn't, he didn't even suspend Draymond Green. Draymond Green got suspended for text. They didn't even give him a tech in real time, though. How they could you not give him a tech? Wait, after for LeBron standing over him and taunting him? No, you don't deserve a tech for that. You're a grown-ass man. Get off First me. First of all, retaliation always universally, oh, not just gets caught, but always universally is punished more. And on top of that, there is no justification in the universe for you grabbing another man's scrotum. He didn't grab. Watch that shit in slow motion. He didn't grab shit. Well, oh, when he tries to drag God. his scrotum on your head, I think that's there is yeah, no plenty of grown ass man. You're gonna drag your balls across my face. That he could have not gotten attacked. That is the dumbest thing in the world. And on top of that, they got the fucking doors ripped off of their anus. I don't care if they brought back the entire dream team. They were not winning that next okay, game. Okay, sure. Not any sure. chance in the world. They just. Did you see how they played? Well, all they had to bring back was Jason Terry and J.J. Barea, <laughs> and they'd have clinched it. <laughs> oh, blast from the past right there. Hey. All right, so diving into something that's actually really scary because we have no idea how it's going to affect America really once it really gets here. It's already started in Washington, although to be fair... That has been at a nursing home, which is where all these people are, you know, the ones dying from it are really, really old or already really sick. But COVID-19, a.k.a. coronavirus, is affecting the sports world as well. The Olympics are in question, although they came out today and said, no, they're going to happen. Yeah, you can say that now, but let's see what happens in the next few months if they're actually going to happen. You have athletes already pulling out of it. Uh, Dustin Johnson on the golf side said that he wants it's too much for his schedule, a.k.a. I don't want to die from coronavirus, so I'm not going to play golf in the Olympics in 2020. Uh, the NCAA tournament is taking precautions. The NBA is taking precautions. Soccer leagues around the world have canceled and postponed games. The coronavirus is a real deal here in the world and has affected the sports world already, and it's not even really in America yet, and they're already getting ready for it. NBA players saying that we're not going to be signing autographs or they're going to keep their own pens if they are going to sign autographs. No more shaking hands. At best, you're getting a fist bump. Or I'd go for the the Bash Brothers, just give them the forearm. Uh, I mean, I've I've always liked that better anyway. Yeah, it... Their forearm is where they sneeze. That's true. I chew. But at the same time, like, you also sneeze into your hands and then you fist bump somebody. A lot of people sneeze into your hands. So, but 
here's where I'm at on this thing, like the coronavirus. I think the precautions are 100% necessary, but at the same time, I also, not to minimize what has happened, I wonder how much of this is like over-sensitized uh, like media. You know what I'm saying? All like, of it. All well, of it. Literally well, all of it. But I, I'm I don't, so over I don't think, this. It's a bad Hold flu. on a second. I don't think that it's... I don't think that you can minimize, like, the seriousness of it, but I think it's also very sensationalized. I, I, I don't think it's serious. Like the conference I, I tournament. this is the most absurd hysteria as far as you see the, the, the reaction. So I'm a contractor by trade. I run a contracting company, right? And we literally... Anywhere you go right now, we cannot get dust masks, which in our industry are very important. important. We we need dust masks for a lot of what we do. We cannot go buy dust masks anywhere because they're sold out everywhere and have been for weeks. And they are an absurd amount online and take are backordered everywhere. I can't go get freaking dust masks for my cruise. Thank God it's winter and we're not in the full swing of things. This is the stupidest thing in the world. Supply and and demand, baby. the, The crazy thing is like people got all these dust masks, right? None of those masks are doing you nope. any good. The only thing a dust mask might help is if you're already sick, it could possibly contain a little bit to exactly. yourself so that you infect less people. Dust masks will never stop you from getting sick. And as far as stopping the spread, they don't even do much good at that either. Although they're a little bit helpful, at least in that regard. You got all these morons walking around with dust masks on their face thinking it's going to protect them from coronavirus so they don't die. I mean, honestly, Don's stance on vaccinations is more relevant than this crap and in the crazy thing is legitimately this is this is a bad flu it is killing old people sick they, people they, respiratory well, it started, well, it started they i mean said, it's killed like three thousand people in china it started they yeah, said people are in china percent uh, well i i understand <laughs> Right, those three, I get those the ratio, but 3,000 lives are also are gone, matter. so that's, like, not an insignificant in the flu, amount. And the flu kills hundreds of thousands every year. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is the percentage. How likely are you to die if you contract something, the survival rate, right? So it is, like all bad sicknesses, like the flu, much less than pneumonia and other things, it is killing old people and people with underlying health problems and then very young people. Except, actually, corona is hurting young, very young people less than the flu does. The flu's fatality rate for like young children and babies and stuff is actually much worse than corona. Corona is a lot worse for older people and the people with underlying health concerns. It started when this first started happening. They, they had the death rate at around 3%. It's been dropping, dropping, dropping 2%. Now we're approaching 1%. No, we're under 1%. And it's, they said, it's, it's literally they under said 1%. Once the deaths, if anything, have been overstated, and once this is not contained but understood better and the proper documentation is done and the proper treatments going along, as far as like healthy people, it's not going to hurt anybody more than the flu already does and all these other things. The thing that sucks about it, and the reason it's been such a pandemic, is because of the way it quickly exploded. It had an R factor of like 2.4 in the beginning, so every one person was infecting two and a half other people, and obviously it spreads very quickly that way, and it didn't do a good job of containing it at the beginning. But at the end of the day, yeah, a lot of people are going to get sick. It's like having a flu. And actually, the symptoms of it for the average healthy person are not even that bad. There is literally mass hysteria. Like, this is the bubonic plague. Like, if you contract it, it's like, rest in peace, write your god dang will. It's the most absurd thing in the world. Like, yeah, old people should stay home, maybe, and protect themselves. People with serious health concerns, people with 
HIV and terrible immune systems. Maybe no, I don't laugh. It's not funny. People with HIV have compromised Who immune laughed? systems. No, somebody, I heard somebody, I heard a I heard a somebody breathe. Yeah, I, heard, yeah. Oh, I thought I heard a snicker. <laughs> I heard somebody I know, breathe. I, I talk about like mass hysteria. I, I could hear where Paul was hearing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this thing has you know, it Thank spreads you. faster than bird flu, but it kills less than bird flu. It's not like it's not that big of a deal. Like, okay, you might get sick. Congratulations, join the rest of civilized population that leaves their house. The fact that they're talking about we need a camp, literally, uh, Serie A, Italian Soccer League, top flight Italian Soccer League, played a game in an empty stadium because of this. Like, it's some, like, crazy thing. That, they already have a vaccine for it that's entering human trials. Like, this is not a big deal. Right. It's not even a little well, bit France, of a big like, deal. France, they, like, they, in France, and I'm not saying the French ever do anything right, but... Like, they're not allowed to gather in, like, places of more than 5,000 people, so they had to shut down. It's hysteria. Yeah, I, that's what it I'm saying. Like hysteria. But people are concerned, right? They're trying to protect themselves. I get it. Like, I, I, I think all of your points are 100% valid. But I also think that it would be kind of irresponsible to go the other way with it and go, oh, there's no concern at all. Right? Like, yeah. So, so right now, as you're saying, right now is an opportunity to preach hygiene healthy hygiene in a healthy way of life protecting yourself washing your hands being clean not being a pig not sneezing all over public people things that the way people should live their daily life now is a great time to preach that and put out facts about what's going on why it's going on how to protect yourself and what's actually going to happen but instead, we let hysteria rule the well, day. Well, we're also not al- apparently just... not allowing the actual scientists to speak, and right. the government's taking control of it, and Pence is speaking instead. Nobody cares what the scientists say. Saw, Look at the world. I no saw one the ever best cares what scientists have said, to say. There's a guy sitting at his computer in his cartoon and said, Oh, honey, look, all the constitutional experts are now doctors. <laughs> I literally, and, it's fan- <laughs> and it's fantastic, and that is so perfect. And it's cra- it's the, what I've seen the other day, right? Like... People are pressuring the NCAA to play March Madness in front of empty seats. Who's pressuring them? Where's the pressure coming from? I guarantee it's not from scientists. Like, who gives a shit? Like, what, what do you mean you're pressuring the NCAA? You got to play in empty stadiums for what? I mean, it's just, it's nonsense. And I, I have such a low tolerance for things like this. Like, just I, it, the amount of idiocy in people that speak on things that they don't understand in the slightest which I know is ironic considering we're a sports podcast, but just roll with it. Uh, it's just, it drives me insane. And it really is, at the end of the day, drivel and nonsense from people that just can't help themselves. They just want to get worked up about something. I mean, there are people, there, I was watching the news today. I mean, I watch the news constantly all day, every day in the That's winter depressing. because I got to stay up on the, well, not, so I watch for the weather. Uh, obviously, you know there's a weather channel, right? On, not locally. Uh, weather channels. Yeah. What? I mean, they do represent local. <laughs> no, but the Weather Channel. There's is not we don't have weather There's, not There's also a website called weather.com that you could always check out too. Just keep that up. Um, I, I watch. We have all all day at the office. We have every news station on. So any changes in the weather, if any storms come or whatever, we get hit on it right away. They've been talking about people are literally flooding stores, buying. Oh, yeah. Buying up cases of water and just all kinds of, like, 
Sir, no, they're treating it like the plague. Like, perishable, they non-perishable to, items, and bottles of water, and toilet paper. But but here's the thing, okay? Like, like I I, I get that, I get that, and I'm not and I'm not condoning those actions, and I'm not also like telling you that you're wrong. But here's the deal: like, you have this disease essentially that is spreading, right? We don't know, like the people that you come into everyday contact with, if they've been to an area that has had an outbreak. We. So you might get you sick. You might get sick, but that sickness could also lead to a more serious health problem. If you're already Well, not necessarily. Which is I life. mean I mean like the regular flu though. It can give you it, like it can give you exactly. pneumonia, lung lesions. I'm reading on I'm New York Times right now, like milder cases are more like the flu or cold, but the more serious cases are we're talking lung lesions, pneumonia. But that's just like the flu in other I, understand other viruses that. of similar ailment which you could go to work and you don't know who's sick so, any day so a more aggressive flu. I, I again i wasn't saying you were wrong and i do think that no, it is over sensationalized but at the same time like it would be irresponsible to not take some type of precaution which and i agree 100%. And it's the same precaution that you should take anytime there's a flu bug going around wash your hands right <laughs> But the same is true for people who are like wash your hands afterwards. Don't be stupid with what you're, you know, what you're passing on. Right, but to bring this back to our original topic of the sporting event, don't put the fork in your mouth at a restaurant. It's also the responsibility of those that are in charge of these sporting events, the NCAA tournament, you know, the Olympics. We're talking like those soccer leagues in Europe. Like those, those people are responsible for the people that come and take, you know, part in their event. So they print a hygiene document on the ticket, uh, post hey, them all over the stadium. 100%. But they, like, I get them being cautious, especially when there's not a ton of information, reliable information known at this point, you know, that they're, like, maybe overreacting because sometimes it's better to be a little bit more safe than it is to be sorry later on. Well, that's, that's why Spike Lee got oh, kicked God. out of Madison Square Garden. He had the coronavirus. <laughs> I what happened? I, did, I, I, I saw, saw some, like that he said he's he not was, going. Uh, he, he went through the beef. he was going through the employee entrance, and the Knicks told him to stop. And he, I guess he so. Was the owner of the so Knicks is alienating their most thing. loyal celebrity fan, and that's not going to go over well. Hold on, hold on. I am fully on. Listen, Dolan is an idiot by all accounts, like a complete jack off. But. Why is he getting special treatment? Because he's, he's been the Nick fan. Because he's, he's been there Jack 40 Nicholson. years. And that's why he gets special treatment. Congratulations. And why not? Like, why not pander to him a little bit? I don't see the problem with it. He is part of basketball lexicon. His, and he's their, his stuff with he's MJ, their his biggest stuff with ambassador. He is part of basketball lexicon. Did you all watch he that Kobe is? documentary that he did? Spike Lee. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Kobe didn't awesome. work, yeah. I watched on YouTube after the tragedy. But yeah, no, it was that was awesome. Anyway, yeah, by the way, again, Ryan, thank yeah, you for great. sharing that uh, that that Twitter thread the other day. That was amazing. I I missed that. This is, this is so cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was a thread of Kobe trash. This talk guy has done a few different threads on athletes and trash talk where he just he brings in a bunch of different uh, examples throughout different history, different players talking about it. You know, things caught on camera, whatnot, and puts them together in a series of threads. And he just his final one. He said, "We'll see if that actually stays true." But his final one, he said, was for Kobe. And there was just you know great story after great story with example after example of video. And it's yeah, fantastic. he's I, 
that guy had a, a large impact. Wow. I know I wasn't on the cast when you guys got to talk about it, but that was a that was a big deal. Yeah, what a so there's a story and just paraphrasing, so it might be a little off. But um, Kobe was going at Jeremy Lin, and Jeremy Lin said something along the lines of like, "I only fear God." And Kobe was like, "Yeah, me." <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. But it's like Jesus. But I think part of the thing that with the mass hysteria was how fast it really spread in Wuhan. Yeah, hundred percent. The fact that China has the ability to tell their people, tell their neighbors, spy on your neighbors. Let us yeah. know if people are leaving the house because they can't be, and we will do something yeah. about it. Whereas here in America, they don't really do that with martial law. You're not going to get your neighbors <laughs> that easily to be right. spying on their neighbors. And it, it's just a different but, world out here. But that's people the are thing, just going right? wherever like, they want and doing like whatever they quick, want to do. Got some nosy neighbors quick spread and like very little information. Like people are always afraid of things that they don't know and don't have an answer for. And so, like I, I, I don't appreciate necessarily the mass hysteria, but I understand it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I get why people freaked out. I get why people are putting dust masks on the back order, even if they're not that effective in stopping. Like, that's what people, they always go to the lowest common denominator, and they think that if I can't breathe on anybody, even though obviously we know that they're not as effective, like, that's what they're going to do to make them feel like they're doing their part in protecting themselves. So, like, while I don't appreciate the mass hysteria, I do understand it. I mean, you got teachers at my school coming and saying, like, we need to prepare for this because, like, schools are going to be closed. Like, they, it is it is being reacted at, or to, like, it's the plague. Well, so, and the, the thing is, so, like, schools, for example, a, a school, it makes sense. So, anytime, I mean, we had it back home, if there was a huge bug or if a ton of people got sick with the flu... They would cancel school for a couple of days so that not everyone gets because you don't want everyone sitting out with the flu and you're out a week and yeah. whatever. That that is not a crazy thing because you don't want it to get worse. Like that's not whatever. But you don't cancel life in massive events because you might get sick. I mean that's life. People get sick. You get sick so every sporting year. In events, China they are. People so haven't sporting been to events, for weeks. Sporting events are okay to continue on, but the education of our youth, we're gonna put a pause button on that. Well, it's a huge difference between a pause button. And I mean, the teachers could show up of, and still no, teach. They're, they're teaching online. The students, like the fans, it's all done through school. computers right now. And, all the students that are was, at home on computers, and the teachers well, are at home and, on their computers. And that was actually one of the avenues that we kind of discussed. Was like, could we get everybody a computer and everybody do stuff online for a couple of weeks? If but for the lower, for the people who are in, you know, who are in poverty and they're going and their kids are going to school, they're not going to have the means. To have less transferred not, schools, there might not. But be you're any. not you're not getting what we're saying is not having everybody go out and purchase a computer so they can continue their education. We're talking about providing them the. It's 2020. Everyone has a computer and internet or a access. phone, right? But like a finding a way for us to support them because I, I work at a very low income school. So like that comment that you made is a very no like personal comment. You know what I mean? And so. Like, we would find a way to provide for them if we could so that they're not... I mean, it's not fair that just because school gets shut down with the breakdown that the lower-income people don't get the same advantage. You know what I mean? Oh, it's absolutely not fair. So, so for us as educators, we got to find a way to make that work and support them. I don't think it's ever going to get to that point. The common sense way to do it is treat it like snow days. If you go past your allotment, you extend the school. Yeah, which, yeah. 
Okay, but in but Let's literally in China, that. people have not been to school for a month. Right, but China's also like ground zero for this thing, right? Like so. Right. I mean, three thousand. The people are probably way closer in like practically. Yeah, you're talking about day. so like so not to interject <laughs> crazy politics into the podcast, but but I'm going to interject crazy politics on, into the podcast. Well, it's not. It's just context. It is important context. What is going on in China is very political, and the regime over there is very reliant on optics and air of power, Mm -hmm. essentially invulnerability in the fact that they pretty much play God in their country. Mm -hmm. And something like this, you see the hysteria it's caused here in a very open country where we have access to all kinds of knowledge. What it, the potential that it has over there, especially on the heels of everything that's going on in Hong Kong, that's the kind of stuff that could literally spur a coup. Right. And it sounds dramatic, right, but those are the kind of things that the state over there in China, those are the kind of ways that they look at this. And so they are taking this as serious as anything you possibly could because it's not just about that some people might get sick and a handful of them are going to die it could literally lead to generational change Mm. across the country much different than it is in a normal or what i would consider a normal country like the and think about what's been going on over there even prior to this breakout with all the protests and stuff going on in hong kong it's a very volatile situation on the heels of hong kong with everything else so a a blow like this to government optics it's this is just as much political as it is about health and it's important to understand that when you say well china's they haven't gone to school in a month and all this stuff it is a very very different situation than anything we would deal with in the u.s i agree with that 100 percent do we all agree that canceling sporting events, at least from a spectator position, is ridiculous? Yes. Matt's, Matt's going to come here for poker and kill us all. <laughs> and That's Paul, a shame on you for not thinking about just going to a nearby hospital, walking into the waiting room where they have a ton of masks just sitting on a wall, and you can just grab a handful of them and go. No, that no, they're on they're on lockdown. Hell no! And I walked into one the other day delivering food. I snagged a handful of them. Michigan is dead. And again, I don't. Did you did you steal masks that you didn't need to steal? For no reason. <laughs> can you send me some? Sure. Like next I, day. I can. I, absolutely. Like I will masks. FedEx them to you tomorrow. I I would cash on delivery. Hesitatingly agree that it's ridiculous. I think that if it becomes an issue, like they need to take probably proper steps to protect the population. Like if it. Tell people to wear gloves and a mask. Hey, I. Hand them out at the entrance. That's fine, but that's still taking a precaution. You know what I'm like saying? Normally, we're giving away bobbleheads. Today, we're giving away the, masks the only mask that actually does anything for this is the N95 mask, and they're not letting. Pe- they don't want people getting these because they only have so many, and they want people who actually work in health organizations to be the ones wearing these. I mean, the N95 masks. What if, what if you had even, a gas mask? The the N95 masks aren't even like perfect, but they're much better. Because yeah, of the they're way knocking out 95 percent of the, of the ones the out there that they can filter. What is really great, you talk about Let's gas some hand sanitizer with is you. a real respirator. 99.9% of It's got to be a high alcohol percentage sick. for that hand sanitizer to actually work. If, if you this. really wanted to protect No matter, your, you can just carry a bottle of Jack around. A respirator <laughs> is ideal. A real respirator. Oh, we can all walk around like Darth Vader. But, again, 
you can get sick in other ways. I, no, I'm I'm with you. I just like if it became a bigger problem than what it currently is, you gotta. All right. <laughs> but that's the see to me it's never a big problem like even if every person in the u.s is sick like okay we're sick dude we're gonna be over in a week like oh it sucks if All right, you get the proper we'll medical break. care it'll be over in a week Xbox. that doesn't the proper medical care for most people is fluids that's not the thing like unless you're elderly or on your deathbed like the pro it, you have the flu like it's 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 not that big of a like it's a big deal to the extent that yeah it sucks everyone's getting sick and a lot of people are going to miss work and some old people are going to die but but it's not but it's not just that old people like 65 and up are the ones that are really in danger and there are plenty of those people that are very active and going to sporting events even though they might Mm -hmm. not be in the best health when it comes to respiratory issues or whatnot maybe stay home so but it is common sense it is absolutely common sense and we can put out a PSA for the government you cannot hold on if you want you're right. You, you cannot use common sense, sense as an so, argument because so, common sense is not the rule of the day for anyone so in any situation. So you can you can tell you can tell the MCA AJ got cut off by Darth Vader noises and has been able to speak sense. <laughs> you can tell the NCAA and any one of these other sports leagues to put out a PSA to the people that are most at risk, what the potential consequences are, and tell them that you Enter should probably stay home because if you if you come to these places with 50,000 people in them that you might have a problem on your hands. And then at that point, if you're older and in bad health and decide that you still want to throw caution to the wind and go, that's on you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I I mean, there's not many. You're not going to – why cancel an entire event when all of us normal, healthy, young individuals should be able to enjoy it? I mean, so, I mean, it's not. I'll be honest with you and tell you, I wouldn't be going to a stadium anyway. Like, I have no desire to go to sporting events anymore. I'd much rather watch them from my house. I, generally, for the most part, I agree with you, and and even for big games, like so, take the Super Bowl. Yeah. For instance, I always thought that was. I always thought like if the Lions ever made the I'd Super be there. Bowl, like I, I don't yep. care what's going to happen. I'm yeah, gonna I'm be with there. you on that one. The experience from home has gotten so good, though, yeah. and I'm thinking about it. Like, unless I was just insanely rich. So, if the Lions were in the Super Bowl, would I rather experience that at the Super Bowl alone, or would I rather experience that with all my friends? Yeah. I'm you know with what you. I mean? Like, like, I, like, do I? Even if you can get yourself to the Super Bowl, you're not getting your squad of twenty to mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. It's not happening. So, what, why not just? Have my Super Bowl party in my house and enjoy it with the people. But see, that then again, I'm like, care. I don't know if I'd want to have that many people at my house because then who has to clean up when they all leave, right? Like, well, I'm, if if you have decent friends, they probably chip in and help. Yeah. But that's a, no, it's, that's part of hosting responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather <laughs> go. I'd rather go and hang that's out. That's part of hosting responsibility. Yeah. I ho- we host- like, I, I, do you have friends? How, we, how decent do you think they're? After a few beers we, uh, and all we that. We host a yeah. lot of events, and it's it's usually not bad. I mean, we, we keep garbage bags out. People kind of try to tidy up as they go through the night, and at the end, we got to clean up a little bit. It's not a big deal. I don't know. I'm with you. The Super Bowl is like the one event. I always thought it would be, but even now, like at this point, I'm just like, well, yeah, that and the fact I don't know, that a few years ago, when, when the Super Bowl was in Houston and the Lions were, I think it was 14, when they played Dallas, got robbed. I told yeah. Jess, I yeah, said, yeah. listen, the Lions have, like, a. if they get past Dallas, they have, like, a, a path 
to the Super Bowl. They had a pass. And they had a real I told pass. her, I said, it's three hours away. It's going to cost money. But this is the first time since. Boom. It's going to cost like, money. This is the first time they've been to the Super Bowl since before my dad was born. So, like, I don't know if it would ever happen again. Like, I will be going to that game. And she was like, okay. <laughs> like, so. Like, have but, fun. So I will buy one ticket. <laughs> you don't hey, even said I've never met your wife. She sounds like such a sweetheart. She is, hundred percent. I mean, you have to say that. No, I mean, I would say it even. I mean, it's true. I wouldn't lie to you, but I wouldn't have married her if she wasn't awesome. All right, moving All right. on to happier oh. news. The NFL is expanding its regular season to seventeen games. More likely, we than don't know not. that yet. More likely than not. That's a terrible decision. Although, was it Nate Solder that came out today and was like, vote yes? Well, that's the thing. So you got players really that's torn on this as far as... I, I, I know Marquise Pouncey said, but no, no. I don't. What's yeah, the justification for 17 games? To get it to 18 games well, in the next few off. years. Instead of a jump of two well, games. Well, I understand that it's money, but it's like... I don't know. It's stupid. Well, it's money for the players, too. 47% so revenue of revenue... Means Means a higher. I think it's closer to. No, 15. I I read. According to ESPN, yeah. they get forty-seven percent of revenue under this new. Right. I wonder. Well, I don't know what the current. I thought it can climb to as high as forty-eight point eight if the league's TV revenues increase by one hundred twenty percent or more. Yeah, and you're going to get a bonus now for even if you don't play in the bye nope, week as nope, the number nope. one seed. Okay, I, I I stand corrected. Starting in twenty twenty-one, players will get at least forty-eight percent of all league revenue. So that's okay. off by percentage. Does this latest one, um, does the latest CBA, the one that's actually going to vote, vote, does that include the extra playoff team? Minimum salaries going up significantly. Yeah, I did read that, like, the lower level people is going to help out the most. Right. They'll be the ones that make the most, which, uh, like, I'm for that. Yeah, minimum salaries going up 20% immediately. I still, I mean... I know Paul doesn't like guaranteed contracts, and I'm not a huge fan of them, specifically in baseball. But I think if there's the any if there's God, any sport that should have some type of guarantee, I, it should be the NFL. What should be guaranteed is lifetime insurance after you're done playing. Okay, I w- I'd be a hundred percent fine with that. And we talked about this before. The guarantee that I'm okay with is that you have a you take a percentage or you have a insurance policy that guarantees a certain percentage or whatever. If something happens or or if they get hurt in, in their career is over that they get X amount of their contract. But it doesn't count like against the salary cap. For team, yeah, it can't count against the calorie salary cap. It's gotta come out of that? the NFL's pool. Well it'd have to be insurance based. It would all have to be insurance based. And it would have to be structured both between the NFL and the players union. It, it would well, be complicated. But you could work it out. So what I'm reading here is that the NBA and Major League Baseball players made guaranteed contracts the standard because they insisted on them individually in contract negotiations, not in the CBA. It was never a part of the CBA. Hmm. So if NFL players want guaranteed contracts, that's what they'd have to do as well. Gotcha. But GMs can just say no. So they're also expanding rosters. There's only a few players ever that will have the – cachet and power to negotiate like that and it's your top few quarterbacks in the league at any given time so could you see a time where half the quarterbacks in the league are on mostly guaranteed contracts yes 
everyone else, not in a million years no. ever. No. But what they're talking about expanding rosters from forty six to forty eight. Yep. On game Increasing day, but minimum one salary of those on practice squads as well. One of those. That, that, li- one of those has so to be dumb. an offensive lineman. Um, no wonder Nate Solder likes him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, so the Lions aren't going to take advantage of that at all. Uh, no. <laughs> Where are we going to find another offensive lineman? We don't have enough to take the field as is. So like, yeah, I, I just I don't five man rosters. I don't understand the 17 game season though. Like, it's it's literally just to get it to 18 in the next few years. It's so they don't why, jump it up two games, games immediately. Why more games? And then the playoffs start after that. More games is more. Games. I, I I and trust That's me, why. I'm not ignorant to that fact. Like, I get that it's all about money, but like, you're going you're going to see a significant reduction in the longevity of careers with the expanded. Well, I, yes, and you're I, gonna, I, you you know you're going to lose some pra- some you know some preseason games as well with this at least. So the game numbers will be semi the same. It's just guys are actually playing get more games that matter. We get more relevant games, which is fine. Right. I'm all for that. I mean, you're also playing harder right. in, the, in the well if you're a guy, or if you're going to play on the regular. Do you guys season. see Stephen A.'s proposal of like every player on a rotating basis gets another like essential bye week? I've seen that, and it's the dumbest yeah. thing in the world. It's so like it, it would be it, mandatory. All, it wasn't Stephen A.'s. It wasn't. Oh well, A's. I just heard him talking about it on first take, but it was like it was like it would be mandatory. Like every team gets their bye week. But then one of the other weeks, like for instance, Matt Stafford would Every have to be to it'd be mandatory that he wasn't activated it's, it's for another dumbest, week. Or like Derrick Henry couldn't I've be activated for one week heard. other than the bye week. Which is like Literally, Yeah, it's that, just it seems ridiculous. Um no, I what I would like what I wouldn't mind and I don't know why I honestly think it would have been an easier sell to the players and it would have done a lot for revenue and wouldn't hurt the product is go to eight playoff teams. Like seven is stupid, but go to eight. So like top uh, seeds getting a buy every time. The, the NHL and the NBA have eight. Go to eight in the NFL too. Per oh, this one's conference. interesting. Players will now be paid over 34 mm-hmm. weeks. 36 once it expands to 17 games. As of now, players are paid in 17 weekly installments. The new system would allow them to collect paychecks for eight months of the year instead of just four. I'm, I'm for that. That seems like a legit thing. I mean, I could care completely less about that. I mean, if you can't, if you're making... I mean, it's not... It's no, not, no, it's not doubling the money, but it's spreading out the money. You're not just blowing it that quickly. If you're making that much money and cannot... But you know how many of these guys are actually in that situation. Three years out of the league, they go 70%. I know you seem broke. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot... I cannot possibly feel bad for these people outside of the ones that put their trust in someone to help them with their finances and get fucked. Those people I feel genuinely bad for. Like, when you hire someone, like, when you're like, look, I can't do this. I hire someone to manage my money, and then they fuck you. That sucks. I feel or you bad. Call I feel bad for the ones you. that do ba- that get investments that just aren't but, working out. Like Yeah, I do feel bad about that. You don't invest all or your money. Or if you get uh, scammed by yeah, fake Or they get scammed by, like you know, the person that's taking care of them their whole life. I do feel bad about that kind of stuff. The new CBA would eliminate suspensions for positive marijuana tests. 
limiting the testing period to the first two weeks of training camp and raise the threshold for a positive test from 35 to 150 nanograms of THC. The idea is to focus the drug program on clinical care as opposed to punishment. Basically, if you test positive, your test gets reviewed by a board of jointly appointed medical professionals to determine whether you need any kind of treatment. The memo also says that violation of laws for marijuana possession generally will not result in suspension. So are they going to reinstate Josh Gordon? I mean, probably at some point. They always do. <laughs> this is, what this is his, what, like fifth can suspension? We, can we go back and save Justin Blackman? Do you guys remember him? Oh, but, uh, yeah. okay, uh, OK State receiver? Oh, yeah. He was, yeah, they went to the Jags. Jags. He would have been so good. Yeah. Okay, this one I don't agree so with, though. The New Deal also increases the punishment for DUI to a three-game suspension. Why is it only three? Yeah. I was just going to say. And where does it I don't agree with it being only violence. three. There's nothing about the domestic violence in here. No, either. this is all, so this is all substance-related. Right. The problem with DVs, and it will always be the problem with DVs, is... Every situation is so unique, I, and the threshold yeah. for getting charged with a DV or getting accused or whatever, it's so arbitrary yeah. and low and weird. I mean, there's so many things that people get away with horrible things, right. but then some people's lives are ruined over what amounts to an argument. Like, it's it, there's too much gray area around it, and the judicial system has no idea how to handle it. So to expect is someone like the NFL to make a blanket thing... I actually, the problem is how they divvied it out. I actually liked the NFL's policy of not having a specific policy and taking each incident as its own and reviewing it and then making an arbitrary ruling. The problem is they took an unliked guy in Roger Goodell and gave him all the power to do that by yeah. himself. That was, the implementation was the problem more than Right, and then else. his first decision is Ray Rice and he... Well, and that's one of the things they're him. also addressing is that... There's no. It sounds like the New Deal would provide neutral arbitration for most discipline cases, including personal conduct policy violations. Yeah. The point has been of contention among players who have felt the discipline and appeals process has been unfair since the people in charge of imposing the discipline have been the ones who hear the appeals. And this will no yeah. longer be the case. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> you think? <laughs> it's like three games. I don't agree. Oh, well, tell me why. Yeah, still yeah. three games. <laughs> So then seven playoff teams instead of six, meaning three wild card teams, a total of six playoff games on the first weekend of the postseason. Whoa, look at this. Teams also are not permitted to add any padded practices in the regular season once the season expands to 17 games. I do like that they're going to get paid for the bye week for the players and the team that got the number one seed because why are you getting punished that you were so good you don't have to play in the wild card round? Yeah. Three wild card teams seems weird, though. Like... It, I, I'm with Paul. Like, if you're going to have three, you might as well have four and let those four teams play as a wild card round. Hello? And they're going to. We can hear you, Paul. Oh, could you hear me before? Uh, I don't know when before was. Probably not then. <laughs> uh, no, I, I said uh, do not even get me fucking started on padded practices. We do not have enough time on podcasts. Oh, I don't think they're necessary, especially as the NFL. I, I said don't get me started. It's very clear. We, we're not doing this this podcast. I understand that, but give me your answer. Yes or no padded practices. No, we need more, way more padded practices, both for safety reasons and for the product on the field. Okay. Like, I see both sides of it. I mean, 
And I, apparently, I know one of the big insane. movements in high school practices over the last few years has gone to less padded practices, so there's less contact. Oh, they hardly do any anymore. There's hardly I, hitting. I know, I it's, know, which means that they're not learning how to. That started when I was yeah, in school. So I'm with you. So here's the thing, and I'll boil it down to this. It's very simple. We, our society, despite evidence or any actual logic or investigation into things to see how things actually work and affect each other in context. Uh, we are of the opinion and the way we rule on everything is that less exposure to something means more problem means less problems with something and that's not how the real world works that's why we have a peanut allergy epidemic because it turns out in the real world that when you're exposed to things you actually tolerate them better for Build the most an immunity. Part. I mean it's like saying that if you don't want to get injured never go lift at a gym like because you can get hurt injured it's the stupidest thing in the world like it, it's just absolute nonsense and it it's it's by far my biggest pet peeve in sports outside of officiating yeah i mean i get what you're saying and like i said i see both sides of it we don't have to get into it i think that it can be irresponsible to continuously bang your head against the wall right but oh, for at the sure. same time you have to learn how to bang your head against the wall so you don't hurt yourself so I, I I mean rugby is the perfect example. Not that injuries and concussions don't happen in rugby, but how does a sport where they literally don't wear any protection yeah. at all have less? Well, that, and that was the argument with the concussions, right? If you want to lower concussions, take the helmets away. Like, or teach people how to use them and not swing them like. Weapons. Well, well, okay, <laughs> but you're taking an isolated event. I'm still mad about that. <laughs> So, starting tonight for Grizzly Takes. This is my first time doing Grizzly this is Takes. Be, so. This is your first time. All right, so we got four for the night, and they're both related to each other. So, we got a Hall of Fame head coach that you would think would succeed in today's modern era of sports. Obviously, we're talking about professional, the big four. So, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and National Hockey League. A Hall of Fame coach you think would fall flat on his face in any of these major four. Uh, the most overrated championship team of the Big Four the last 20 years, and the most underrated championship team, Big Four, the last 20 years. So we will be doing these one at a time. We're not doing all four at once. So, Ryan, give me your Hall of Fame head coach you think would succeed in today's modern sports. My choice for success is the uh, the architect of the We Can't Beat the Bulls Utah Jazz, Mr. Jerry Sloan. His game that he ran with John Stockton and Carl Malone was uh, a whole F-ton of pick and roll, which today's game is such a staple of everything that they do. And now imagine that you have a four uh, like Carl Malone, but now that guy can shoot, right? If you're running that with Jokic and then you have a point guard like he had in John Stockton, um, who you know could, could shoot very, very well in his own right, but give him a guy like Steve Nash, a guy like Trey Young, there are still those players that can make that system work. And now I feel like Sloan would definitely be able to adapt and have, her, have a better supporting cast around that. But just understanding and having the pick and roll as a staple of his offense with the players that you're constantly getting like an influx of in the NBA, I feel like Jared Sloan could be a, a very successful coach um, in today's game, even more so than he was getting the Jazz to, you know, back-to-back finals. I say this with the utmost respect. That is the best Grizzly take answer you've ever had. <laughs> it was perfect. It was absolutely fabulous. It was Grizzly in every regard. 
is a fantastic pull and really, really harps on the fact that NBA is absolutely your thing. And I don't have anything to add to that. Like, those perfectly said. 100% Grizzly. Like, I, that was, I was nodding along the entire time you were saying that because I can't add anything to it. That was a beautiful take. Uh, we are Grizzly all around because I'm complete agreeance. He was absolutely a coach that the players love to play for. Uh, was smart as a whip, knew the game inside and out, created an offense that gave people fits, even if he did have, you know, one of the greatest power forwards of all time to do it with, and one of the greatest point guards of all time to do it with. But it was his system. He made it work really damn well. There was just this guy named MJ standing in his way from getting that title. Someone who I think would succeed in today's NFL, Bill Walsh. You sum of a bitch. I knew I was going to take it because I knew you were going to go California. <laughs> but architect of basically the modern passing game is West Coast offense. You see it riddled throughout the NFL. I know you get a, a, a lot more deep game in today's NFL with guys going down the field, stretching the field with guys like Tyreek uh, Hill and people like that. But the basis of those deep routes is all the shallow crossing and stuff that happens in the West Coast offense. And so I think that having a quarterback like a Mahomes, having a quarterback like a Russell Wilson, a Matthew Stafford that could hit those small intermediate crossing routes like Bill Walsh had and then adding the tools of someone like a Tyreek Hill to stretch the field, your catcher, uh, your like really handsy tight ends like Travis Kelsey. I know I'm just picking on the Chiefs because they won the Super Bowl, but like though having those tools in his system as well, I think would make him a very um, successful NFL head coach right now. I mean, it's freaking Grizzly. It was the one I had teed up for mine. Uh, You're welcome. But you mean. You know, you're talking about a head coach that the players absolutely loved to play for, loved his style of offense, had a great defense to go along with it, knew how to delegate, knew how to keep his players happy. Uh, For the most part, he had some issues with Montana at times, obviously, but that's just pushing greatness. But, yeah, with the offense that he created and what he did to the NFL in his time, should be a four-time champion. He even admitted his biggest regret retiring one year too early because that 89 team was that one as well was his team. Uh, you know, I don't care that it was someone else heck, being the head coach at that point. It was Bill Walsh's team. Should be a four-time Super Bowl winner, uh, but one of the greatest head coaches of all time, and he just got it. I don't think it mattered what era he was in. So I'm going to say Grizzly. I'm not overly emphatic uh, the way I was with Ryan's. Obviously, I didn't grow up in that era. I was not born yet. But the amount of talent that he had around him, literally all times yes you can talk about player relations you can talk about the concepts that he ran but it's a different era of football and put him on a team like the lions does he have the success do you really think that he could succeed in today's nfl with a team like the lions i'm not gonna think anyone could succeed with the lions in today's nfl i I don't know That's fair. That's, that might be a that might be a. a can, you, can you give us a round of five hundred teams that actually that, could see some growth? I think growth. that West Coast scheme would fit pretty well with but, the Lions. Well, it fits Stafford. I don't know. Fit the offensive line. If any yeah, but scheme will fit the offensive line. If you're talking about a quick passing game, they don't have to block for. I, I just, I, I would be curious to see how he would do on a team that's not stacked with talent. That's fair. And with today's person, they weren't but stacked I, with talent this. when he won his first Super Bowl with them. They absolutely were not. He started bringing in that talent. Jerry Rice was not part of the first two Super Bowls that San Francisco won. Jerry Rice played the least valuable position in football. So. 100% true. 
understandable. But Bill Walsh brought in that talent. He made that Niner team the team of the decade. It's Grizzly for me. I think kind of even similarly um, to Jerry Sloan and the fact that the game and the athletes now are at least more tailored to that offense than even they were back then. And I know that the defenders are better athletes too, but if you give today's rules, which heavily favor the offense, even more so than they did when Bill Walsh was uh, was running the league, um, I think there'd be any team lucky to have him reincarnate himself and in, in, you know, suit up on the sideline for him. All right. Well, luckily I had a backup in case someone stole mine. Freaking bring the new guy on the block. He just takes my shit. Uh, just shows how smart I am. This is a head coach that when you are able to deal with a personality, a set of personalities in general on the team, but overall a personality like Dennis Rodman and get the best out of him uh, and his ability to really change the game and is literally beloved by every single one of his players, Sands, Adrian Dantley. I think Chuck Daly would have been very well suited for today's modern NBA with being a guy that his players could trust to come to, to have their back uh, in an overly sensitized athletic world that we are in now. Uh, I think Chuck Daly, with what he was able to do with the bad boys and was the, you know, a favorite among the dream team players when that team was put together as well um and you know as much as it hurt us not playing the favorites with the isaiah situation uh for the betterment of the dream team knowing his situation and what he was walking into very cerebral head coach in that manner i think chuck daly would do just fine in today's nba uh yeah i'll I'll say grizzly i don't disagree with anything you said even though another person that i literally never watched live I'll say Grizzly for sort of a different reason, though, or really just an ad- in additional reason to it, because uh, I think it would add on, and I think it would actually make, you know, somewhat of of a difference in today's era that's like, you see these players are so obsessed with fashion, <laughs> and part of, um, like, part of the swag of Chuck Daly was that he was always dressed in the nines, so it's almost like that, that Pat Riley type of swag or type of quality and not even that they're the same type of individual but you just know that when you that this is a a cool old white dude um in a sense you know when you go into a meeting with them and probably even part of the reason why his players liked him so much back then is there's just something about that personality that this man knows he knows what he's doing and he knows he belongs kind of in this basketball culture that i think the uh the NBA players respected then and that they, you know, respect today with everything that uh, that they got going on social media-wise. I'll just so go cuddly works. on this one then, and I'll give you my reasons when you ask the next question. Fantastic. All right, Paul, you find one? Pat freaking Riley. He's so good as a coach and adapted to the modern NBA so well that he basically raised one of the best coaches in the NBA today to take over his heat in Eric Spolstra. Uh, he is absolutely a savant for both identifying and developing talent. Uh, one of the most respected people ever in all of basketball among players, personnel, front office, you name it. 
gets along with everybody, one of the greatest basketball minds to ever walk this planet, and if anything ever did happen in Miami Heat were in need of a coach, he could easily walk down from his GM office and run the shit out of that team. Yeah, that's Grizzly, the only... Yeah, so I was thinking of like kind of what you just said at the end, where if he came down today and started to coach, there'd probably be a, a little bit of a hiccup there. Because um, I... I don't know how much he's actually into like the the scheming now. Obviously, I know he's got his eyes for players that he likes, and he's really good at bringing in guys, whether it's LeBron James, Chris Bosh, uh, you know, even Jimmy Butler that we've seen now. And he's got a great eye for talent with uh, all the guys that he's drafted: Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's Grizzly. He slipped my mind because he's still so, like, involved in the basketball yeah. operations um, part of it. But, I mean, yeah, he wouldn't be a, a bad coach by any means. Yeah. I'm, and he's got I'm his team that he likes. Agreement. It's Grizzly. I think your Eric Spolster takes Cudley, but. What? <laughs> hey I mean, he you basically won it. a championship just because he had LeBron James. I don't think that. And proved ten times over how great of a coach he is since LeBron left. The only team in the world that LeBron left that didn't completely tank into oblivion. Well, I, I mean, I'm just busting your balls because I literally don't watch the NBA, but I always thought he was I, a joke. I, I thought he was a patsy. I, I mean, they were in the lottery for like two Spoh. years. Spoh is so good. But yeah, it's Grizzly. I, I'm with you. I'm Pat Riley. It's a good choice. It's Grizzly. The only reason I didn't choose him, same thing with Ryan. Like, He's just too close to the modern NBA now that I didn't think it was a fair comparison. Uh, but, I mean, you know. This man is one of the greatest NBA coaches of all time for a reason. Uh, dealt with, you know, very different attitudes of his two stars between Kareem and Magic, and made them work beautifully uh, with the with the '80s Lakers. And another one of those coaches that just kind of got it uh, was thrown into a tough situation in LA with you know them getting rid of their head coach and him really stepping up. Uh, to be that guy and run with it way beyond what anyone ever thought was going to be possible with him and turn into what he became, which is, you know, top five NBA coach of all time. So definitely Grizzly. All right, now we move on to the head coach that you think would not be so successful in the modern game. They wouldn't have to be a complete bust, but they wouldn't be the level that they became in their era. So much like uh, much like AJ, I'm gonna choose a Pistons coach who won a championship. Um, Larry Brown, and it's not even so much anything against like his coaching and the sets and things that he's run, although those are pretty outdated too. And I think you even saw that um, at the college level, he might have just been bullshitting around. But he always had problems with the guys on his team, whether it was Iverson, um, even him and Chauncey didn't you know see eye to eye all the time not that they don't respect each other there's just a lot of a lot of tugging on Larry Brown's part um, as far as being a coach and in the newer NBA where players do have more power and you're in the player empowerment era and uh, players can get coaches fired a little bit more easily than um, you know than they used to they can influence other players to you know sign there and not sign there they can force their way out of places uh you know way way easier than they could in the past you know when you have a guy like larry brown unless you really really changed like your 
personality um, and went a, a little bit softer on the players and gave them a little bit more freedom. I don't really see uh, an era where he's able to get to the finals like he did with Philly um, or win a championship like he did. Not nor not talking about college, um, but in college or you know with the Pistons. I think there'd be a lot of um, a lot of is Larry Brown the right coach for us type of uh, type of teams, and you'd hear a lot of it'd be a lot of tweets about guys not liking Larry Brown and sources saying this player wants Larry Brown fired. So just let's bow down to Ryan in, in the NBA today. This is so incredibly grizzly, but I want to talk about Larry Brown for a minute. Uh, talk about the weirdest enigma of like all time. Like there's something wrong in his brain. I just presume like there's something fundamentally wrong with him as a human being because I've never seen any like look at his career right he goes to the Spurs it was his first coaching job in the NBA and he coaches for a few years win the division a couple times he gets fired so then he goes to the Clippers takes a garbage team to their first winning season and then they make the playoffs again he resigns goes to the Pacers for a couple years they make two straight Eastern Conference Finals, he resigns. Goes to the 76ers, has a awesome stint with them, with Allen Iverson. They somehow get to the freaking Finals, which we know that didn't end well when they got uh, dominated by the Lakers, but he, he took a very lackluster team outside of Allen Iverson to the Finals. Allen Iverson himself, who is often called uh, Larry Brown the best coach in the universe, and then, of course, comes to our Pistons for a couple years, wins the title, and then doesn't finish out his contract. It, what kind of career is that? Like, you go all these places, have unprecedented success, and then leave or get fired after a couple years. For the most part. He was with the 76ers for a hot minute, but for the most part, it's like few year stops. And then you've seen the same thing when he went to college, and he flamed out at the end of his career when he went to SMU. Um, I believe helped bring some sanctions to them, if I recall correctly. And so he's had the weirdest career. And you talk about a guy that I don't think A, could adapt his coaching style to today's players. Not to mention just evolving with the game in general, but to coach today's players in today's league, I don't think there's any chance that he could. He's also a well, He's almost 80. He's 79, born in 1940. Well, the, we're, we're throwing age out the window. I mean, we're literally talking about. I know, but he was coaching just a couple years ago, which is why, which is why I looked it up. No. <laughs> I'm grizzly on this one, 100%. Like I, I agree with everything that you said. He was always kind of like, uh, what's the word? Uh, kind of like the dysfunctional uncle running the team, right? And kind of like, his, I feel like his players succeeded in spite of who he was. He kind of always was like that crazy guy on the sidelines. I felt. Um, I think he was the guy that was needed for that team to succeed, but I think in today's landscape, somebody like him is is not going. It would fall flat on their face. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ryan. You've been spot on today. Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing else to say. He's absolutely right. I mean, Larry Brown had his issues with Allen Iverson that went, you know, a long ways towards the detriment of the, uh, the 76ers in the end. Um, 
you know, it worked out really well for us here in Detroit. Wish he would have stuck around for another year or two. Uh, maybe would have got one more. Who knows? Um, but that was just kind of a perfect storm for him of the players that we had piecemeal put together of a bunch of guys that other teams didn't want, and it just worked. But Larry Brown definitely uh, rubs some people the wrong way, and in today's NBA, with uh, how soft certain players are, uh, I think it would have he would have some issues uh, taking home of a team for sure. Like this dude, after after the Pistons went to the finals in 2005 and lost, they they fired him or they bought him out because he was flirting with other teams trying to coach them. Like you just won a championship and then went to Game Seven of the finals. Why are you talking to other teams? God, him and Dumar must have hated each other. Uh, so I was prepared on my Hall of Fame coach that could not coach today, and I expect to get some admonishment for this one, but I'll stick steadfast to this as I do everything that I say. Uh, for me, it's easily Jimmy Johnson. And oh, that's not absolute that. myriad of reasons. Uh, again, talk about someone that I don't think at all could connect with players and get them to follow his way of doing things in today's league the way that it is. Uh, He absolutely fits that bill, but he also fits the bill of one of the most overrated coaches of all time. Now, it is a very short list of multiple Super Bowl winner winning head coaches in the NFL, and he is on that list and is why he's in the Hall of Fame, especially the franchise that he did it with, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't very much in the right place at the right time. I mean, you look at, he comes fresh out of college to the Cowboys, and you have a ton of upcoming talent with an insane amount of draft picks just sitting in your lap, and you get all this young talent, and you you have this great team, but without that talent, he wasn't anything special. I mean, he has a career coaching record in the NFL of not much over 500. I think it was like 80 and 64. I don't have it in front of me right now. He went to Miami. It took over a solid team in Miami, a 9-7 and seven team, and he was there for four years, and he got them all the way to 9-7. and seven. Uh, He was there for four years in Miami. He won 36 games. The four years before Jimmy Johnson, they won 39 games. Dallas, without Johnson, uh, they won another Super Bowl. They went to a couple more NFC Championship games right after. Uh, maybe if Jimmy Johnson was there... Who knows if, if they do a little bit better than if they did with Switzer. But to act like he was just some transcendent coach, uh, he was very fortunate in a lot of ways. And outside of that run in Dallas, he, he didn't prove anything that he was some coach that was just going to take over a team and absolutely get them to the next level. And you combine all of that with his temperament, uh, his clashing with uh, other people in power, famously with Jerry Jones, of course. But you put him into today's NFL and he's got the GM and the owner to deal with and all these entitled spoiled players and you think that that's going to work he's not some X's and O's savant that he's just going to blow you away with schematics he's the kind of guy that needed talent that needed buy-in that needed everything that a cohesive team needs to win and even if you gave him a solid team in today's NFL I don't think he would be anything special uh, I'm 100% with you on that. Like, that's a grisly take because Jimmy was, I think, a good players coach because of the hype that he created around himself and his teams. And, like, he really did get them to, like, you saw it at the U. 
you saw it in Dallas where like it was kind of like them against the world he kind of was like who's got it better than us <clears throat> before Harbaugh was ever who's got it better than us um, and he really got people to buy into that but I think that his success was built on the talent that he had around him not because of any like you said schematics that he brought to the table um, and I, I think that in today's NFL I think big personality head coaches are not that successful uh look at andy reed like gentle giant right uh bill belichick can't get like more than five words out of a press conference like those guys the the high profile real high personality coaches are not going to succeed in today's nfl because they're competing for spotlight with their players and in that situation the players are going to win so they have to overcompensate by their scheme and their their game plan and stuff like that so 100 percent grizzly take on that one paul my only argument against it is how much of a player's coach he was, how much he loved his players and his players loved him and allowed his players to be who they were naturally with the showboating, running up the score, whatever they wanted to do and have fun doing it, I think would you know be very appealing to NFL players today. Now, that doesn't translate to victories on the field, obviously, but I think he would be you know still beloved by players in today's NFL. Uh, which would give him plenty of opportunities in the NFL to get it right. Uh, but, you know, he definitely went into a perfect storm in Miami, uh, definitely had the you know beginnings of one in Dallas when he took over as well, which certainly helped him along the way. Uh, is, it is overwhelmingly grisly, but that one aspect doesn't give it a complete grisly on my part. It's um, So for me, it'd be cuddly based on what Matt said. I think just because you kind of have that, that big personality and you can get players on your side easily. Um, and I mean, obviously, you have to go to the right team. Like, if you go to the Lions, it's it's not going to work. <laughs> we we got to stop using the Lions. Uh, you also don't, have, you also, don't, you also don't have to give him, like, the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> so you give him a team like, and I don't know, like, even if you saw uh, – the Jaguars a couple years ago where they were just like a really like the the team to them just had a lot of character and swag and they weren't able to sustain it um but if you gave Jimmy Johnson the ability to go grab players like that like I think a guy like Jalen Ramsey would really gravitate um towards Jimmy Johnson and when you can get enough of your players on board like that uh you can have enough success to make the playoffs a couple times um to even have like a, a winning record throughout the uh throughout the nfl and he's not going to win multiple super bowls um again especially not with well in this era to kind of assume belichick's there and mahomes and everybody else but you know even if you had a jim caldwell-esque record uh i think that's something that jimmy johns that jimmy johnson would be able to do and i don't think he'd be a a total failure i, th- I think he could hack it Going off of our previous question, and Matt, your answer was Chuck Daly for who would be successful, and I heard all those reasons, and I'm not saying that I disagree with them. I just think Chuck Daly would struggle to find as much success as he did with the Pistons uh, in today's NBA just because of the the way the game has changed. Um, we know that his Pistons were called what? The, the bad, bad boys, boys, right? And eventually, and eventually, right? Because of their style, their aggressiveness, their, um, you know, we're gonna basically burn it down and and take the championship from you, kind of thing. 
Um, and so I, I just with the way that the rules and defensive things have changed and schematics have changed on defense, I just I don't see it his style of play that he would endorse and allowing those players to create that type of moniker for themselves uh, I just don't see that being as successful in today's uh, game I was going to say society but I think that's an over exaggeration I mean I understand your points obviously um, I can't call it Grizzly because he was the complete opposite for my arguments so I'm going to have to go with Cuddly on this one I understand where you're coming from with it though I just and, and you know would he win two NBA championships? Should be three NBA championships? I don't know. Um, I just think that, you know, the way he was able to connect with his players would create such a love uh, for him from his players in today's NBA that he would be able to make something work and be very successful with it. I'll say cuddly only because I grizzly met uh, when he said this. But, I mean, same, same type of reason. You just have somebody who can be, like, sort of bigger than basketball um to a certain extent and whenever you have a guy that the players just uh just love and that i think you know they'd really kind of want to play for and rally around you're going to be able to find a job unless you're just completely like horrible with the front office so that's not to get off on a tangent but that's sort of like the thing with mark jackson is like draymond loves him steph loves him clay loves him but there's a lot of other warriors on the team that hated him in the front office and just like his fellow coaching staff absolutely hated him and he might get another job in the future that's just why he hasn't gotten one now but even if you're somebody who's not able to take that team over the hump um, as long as you don't have those fatal flaws that Mark Jackson had where you're just like completely unlikable to everybody in the organization you're generally going to be able to stick around for um for kind of as long as you want or until it just becomes clear that the game has passed you by. But I don't think the actual play of the bad boys um, and, you know, their their roughness and toughness was necessarily indicative of, you know, Chuck Daly not being able to change. I think he just played with the guys that he had and he knew he had to stop, you know, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and those guys. I've been convinced. I'm going to say Grizzly, even though I said Grizzly the first time around. AJ's argument was more convincing. So AJ will appreciate this one more than anyone else because he'll be the only one who even knows about this guy. No offense to Ryan and Paul. But this guy, to me, was Bobby Valentine before Bobby Valentine. Bobby Valentine's not in the Hall of Fame, obviously. But Casey Stengel, the manager of the Yankees in the 50s, a very successful run with those Yankees, uh, but not much success outside of having some ridiculous ridiculous talent on those Yankees. His time with the Mets was an embarrassment. His time before the Yankees was an embarrassment. Uh, but Casey Stengel to me was just a, you know, a situation for him more than anything that he really did. He was a personality and that they liked about him. But I don't think without having the best talent in the game on his team, he would be anywhere near what he ended up becoming in being a Hall of Fame manager. And I think in today's Major League, he would absolutely be Bobby Valentine. This I, I I don't know. He sounds like a man who wouldn't let Jackie Robinson play baseball. So I'll say Grizzly. What the fuck? I I I'm really torn on the whole baseball and old and what's changed and what's not changed. Because baseball is both the sport that's seen the least change and the most change, depending on how you look at it. I have a hard time believing that any coach from the 50s is going to walk into a, a 
dugout today and manage the analytics in his pitchers and everything that goes into current baseball. Like, you're not going to walk in and be Joe Madden. But at the same time, at its core, baseball's kind of the same game analytics aside. So it's hard to answer. And since, unlike Matt, I was not alive in the 1950s. Oh, yeah, because I was. I will defer to his knowledge on this and say Grizzly, and I await what AJ will say. Uh, I 100% say this Grizzly because, I mean, given Matt's argument that like his time in the 50s was successful in new york you're talking about him dealing with dimaggio you're talking about him having Ibera on his team you're talking about him getting this young kid that um, was supposed to play center field but then they moved to right field so dimaggio can play named mickey mantle who's basically one of the greatest players that's ever played so there's a reason why he was successful in new york um and there's a reason why he was not successful anywhere else. Um, so I, I get what Paul's saying about like the fundamentals of the games don't don't change, but it makes a it makes it very easy to fill out a lineup card when you're writing names like Dimaggio, Barra, and Mantle in their lineup card. So yeah, I mean yeah, hundred percent. That was actually like no Matt when answers. I was talking about finding another coach. I was looking up like a baseball guy, and that was one of the names that kind of stuck out to me. But yeah, hundred percent Grizzly. Next. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Moving on. Next Grizzly take is <clears throat> the most overrated championship team. Of the last 20 years, once again, big four. Baseball, hockey, football, basketball. 2013 Boston Red Sox. Oh. (laughs) Because they weren't the better team in the ALCS. One swing on the bat changed that entire series. Uh, Had Torrey Hunter taken a better route to the ball, they had been coming back, you know, up two games of nothing in Detroit. Possibly looking at a sweep. And, uh... I, I just I think that that team gets overhyped because that was the same year as the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, you know, David Ortiz and his like we don't give an f. This is our yeah whatever. City. This is our f and city. Whatever he said, I like that team. I think pisses me off more than any other team. One because David Ortiz swung the bat one time and that's why they ended up in the World Series, in my opinion. And they were not the best team in baseball that year, hands down. It's Grizzly for me. I was there for the one swing of the bat with David Ortiz. Um, and while he was probably the best player in those playoffs, in general, I think he hit like 750, something ridiculous like that in the playoffs. He was phenomenal. And again, I was there. So when the Boston Marathon happened, they shut the city down like nothing I'd ever seen before. And the way that this the city really rallied around each other and around that team uh, it was it was unbelievable to witness, and that's something I'll never forget. But I will wholeheartedly go to my grave believing that the Tigers were the better team in that series. And I know we've had arguments about this in the past, but I still believe that the bullpen was absolutely the detriment to that team and had things gone a little differently we would have been in that world series would have won that world series and finally gotten our first championship since 1984 but wholeheartedly agree aj grizzly it's grizzly for me that was actually one of the teams that i was deciding um between the Red Sox team that beat the Tigers because I felt like that Red Sox team wasn't that good and this stupid ass security guard just makes me hate them. <laughs> no, um, it was a cop. Way, it's a flat out like, cop. Way worse than I probably should. Officer. 
Well, whoever he is needs to cut his stupid, dumbass mustache. But it's it's grizzly to me. Um, yeah, they got. Uh, I, I really want. I'm not even a huge baseball fan, but when the Tigers are in it, I'm super fair weather, and I'm I'm big on them. And uh, that was w- w- one of the last of the fairest weathers that we've had in a while. Uh, I actually, on principle, have to say cuddly to this one. And I, I like everything that you said, except to be overrated, you have to be rated extremely highly, especially to be one of the most overrated champions ever. Uh, no one, if it's you not ever, it's the last 20 years. Your, okay, if you're putting a list of your top, I don't know, seven. World Series champs of the last 20 years. They're on it. Boston doesn't make that oh, list. Yes, they do. I don't know. Oh, yes, yes they, they do. do. Boston, team Boston was not that good that season. And in context, when you look back, and if you ask real sports writers, not Bleacher Report and Twitter sphere people, I mean real sports writers, and no one puts them in the context of great. No, no one's comparing them to the Houston Astros team that won it all. Nobody. Uh, no one would even say that they're better than the Dodgers teams that have fallen short. It, I don't know people that genuinely think that they were some historically great team. They were a team that was lucky and got hot at the right time and had a lot of luck against the better team than the Tigers. Uh, I just don't believe that they are that highly rated to where they can be overrated. Well, according to MLB.com, they're number seven of the last... I should have picked a different 2000. <laughs> so, funny, because Paul was saying you have to be, you know, you have to be rated really highly. And I was thinking of, like, you know, either of the New York Giants that won <laughs> over the Patriots. Yeah. But they're not really highly rated, so I knocked them out. But um, doesn't giving you a championship me, rate you highly? Uh, yes. But I wanted to have, you know, a lot of talk go yeah. with it, you know, about the team itself. Besides the fact that they, you know, were a 9-7 and seven team that made a run and basically, you know, survived on their defense and a so-so quarterback. Uh, so I just went to my great standby that Ryan and Paul know oh so well, the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers, who would not have a championship if it wasn't for the NBA stepping in and making damn sure that Cleveland got one for the first time Christ. in 50 This is not a list of who shouldn't years. have won a title. What? But they are the most overrated Continue. in the last 20. Overrated Continue. as hell because they shouldn't even have a title. Uh, I don't know if they're... Ryan. So to to me, that's cuddly. I agree they shouldn't have the title, but that was still a phenomenal team. It's one of the best offensive teams that we've seen. Uh, definitely up to that point, and even now when you have Kyrie Irving, when you have LeBron James, two guys that can take over a game, and during the last, what, like three games of that finals, both of them absolutely took over in really every way possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that team was fantastic. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think they were better than the Warriors team, but they won. And even if they shouldn't have that title, they won it, and they're still an excellent team who's winning the title in Didn't you know win. any other kidding. year. It's absolutely cuddly <laughs> for <whatever>. a, <laughs> flat out Christmas not, present from the. This NBA. is not a list of teams you think shouldn't have won the title. That's not what this question was. And again. No one, but they get talked not, about so much because of their title, and that's so much overrating because they shouldn't have one. 
They beat the team no, they that didn't. won more games than anyone. Oh my god. They literally they beat the team that won more games than anyone in NBA history ever. Ever. It's like such a reverse from Paul saying this team shouldn't have won, but they won, so they won anyway. And Matt saying, well, this team shouldn't have won, so Raymond in my Green mind. plays that next game, it's over that game. It's over in five. But the NBA was like, wait, we need money. This series is not supposed to be over in five. We need money. We need to have game six and seven. Yeah, but that Dude, that goes funny. into my answer to this. Like, this is cuddly because we're not talking again about who shouldn't have won. We're talking about teams that are overrated. No, but they're so but overrated not, because of the fact that no, they won. No, that's not true. They <laughs> were... They, anybody talking about the 17 Cavs? No. The 15 Cavs? No. The 18 Cavs? No. Why? They didn't win. But, right. Because we're talking about overrated champions, not yes, overrated exactly. it's completely runners overrated. up. They're so good offensively, so, man. So because it. we're talking about people who actually won the trophy, not the runners up, this it, but it does, but you know what like <laughs> where what Matt where was Draymond in game six where was Draymond in game seven that was a good one like he played those two games so Draymond right. had a phenomenal so it, game not seven. just because of that I mean I get that the suspension probably influenced a little bit but that doesn't make the Cavs then overrated they were still good enough to win game six and game seven and if I'm not mistaken wasn't game seven in Golden State. So, yeah. like, they won an away game yeah, on Dre, in Game 7 like 36. to clinch. Yeah, momentum's a hell of a thing when it switches like that. For over the three games, over an entire calendar week, I just don't, I, it's cuddly. All right. Oh, well, yeah, it's, that's the rounds. So, it's it's back to me, and I have mine, and it should have been obvious. Um, I don't I don't know how it wasn't like, I don't know how I wasn't prepared the, the first time around. Um, for me, it's easy. It's the it's the team that gave Paul Pierce the Finals MVP trophy. The 2009 yes. Boston Celtics is like, and I don't know if it's just revisionist because I hate every single thing about that team since then. They milk this title more than any team's milked any title they've ever won. You have them hating Ray Allen for going to the Heat, which fine, understandable, but then you got Kevin Garnett going on podcasts saying none of us are ever going to talk to any of the Heat guys. We're not cool with any of them. Meanwhile, Rondo's out here playing his second goddamn season with LeBron James. Like, it's so stupid the way that the Celtics team gets hyped up as one of the best teams ever uh, because, you know, obviously they did have Garnett, they had Ray Allen, they had Paul Pierce, the first modern... Um, alignment if you will of like the the big three and then they they still did have rondo but he wasn't like rondo rondo at that point um but i mean you beat a, a lakers team which i don't know i i still don't know that the lakers weren't better considering they won the next two titles i know Pau Gasol wasn't as good in 2008 as he was in 2009 2010 and you didn't have andrew bynum emerging but just the way that this team um, you know, not only that, like they came together, but they won the one title, which is fine. And then half of them got shipped off to Brooklyn anyway. Uh, and they've just ever since then, it's all as they talk about, it, and they talk about it like they were this unstoppable force in the NBA. When you got to one title, or you won one title, you got to the next. And the year before, you let like Dwight Howard smack you around. Um, 
I don't even know Dwight Howard eliminated them. I just know the Magic went to that finals. But the year before you didn't make it, you weren't like this force that the NBA has never seen, and they all talk like it, and you got stupid-ass Kendrick Perkins on the jump talking shit about everybody like he was somebody special. I, I hate this team so much. The only player I like is Kevin Garnett from this team. So I don't share the hate that Ryan has, but this was my team. This was literally the team that I was going to go with. Uh, you want to talk about a one-hit wonder that gets played up like they were a dynasty in comparison? It, it's insane. And, and the Lakers were absolutely the better team. And Boston, kudos to them for winning a series that they really shouldn't have. Uh, the Lakers should have three-peated again. Uh, they did go on to win the next two, as Ryan said. And Kobe and, would have six. He would have six. This is a Boston team that... It was a great team to watch. It was nice to see the way that they played together. It was honestly Pistons-esque a few years after the Pistons won it. But the hype that they have built off of that one win, as if they were just some dynasty, what did they do? How many finals did they even go to? They didn't. They went to one other final, and it was two years later just to get beat by the Lakers like they should have the first time around. God, they won that game six by forty. That closeout game. One thirty-one to ninety-two. I'll never forget. That's crazy. Yeah, AJ, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I would say this is another crazy take from Ryan on the NBA tonight because, like I said, I I, I like the um the one-hit wonder that Paul brought up, um and just the hype that surrounds that team. You think about that team because of all the like media hype Ryan brought up about how much of a dynasty they were, but. Dynasties normally win more than one championship, um, or at least get or, to yeah, a ton. or at least get to a ton in in a sense. So uh, I'm with you on that. That it is a grizzly take because one championship. There's plenty of people walking around with one championship. Okay, so just a little history reminder. The reason that 09 didn't happen is because Kevin Garnett blew out his knee, and that was the demise of the Celtics. Oh, but just well, to be fair to that. I will That's always say that Kevin Garnett was the MVP of that Celtics team because Paul Pierce had been there for years and they didn't do a damn thing with him. And Ray Allen is Ray Allen. We all know what he is. One of the greatest shooters of all time. One of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. A damn good defender as well. But Kevin Garnett destroyed Paul Gasol in that finals. And it is the absolute reason the Celtics won that series. But you go back and look at the standings going into those playoffs. The Hawks were the eighth seed at 37 and 45. They took the Celtics to game seven. The Cavaliers, the four seed at 45 and 37. They took the Celtics to game seven. With a five And then project. the Celtics figured it out against our Pistons in another collapse, the final collapse of, those, of that regime. And then obviously the series against the Lakers where the game four 25 point comeback in LA changed the whole series around. And obviously in game six, when LA didn't even show up and got blown out 131 to 92. And I cried like a baby, <laughs> but my Lakers got revenge two years later in a phenomenal seven game series that I am forever thankful for because my generation got to see the two most famous the most famous thrones in NBA, Boston and LA, go to a seven-game series for the first time since 1984, and finally the Lakers actually prevailed in a seven-game series over the Boston Celtics. But yes, it is absolutely grisly because they shouldn't have done it. It 
was all Kevin Garnett. I hate Kevin Garnett for that, and I hate Kevin McHale for giving Kevin Garnett to the Boston Celtics in the first place. I mean, the crazy thing is, you got Matt over here. Cahoots. You got Matt over here calling a team that went to four straight finals and that had the best basketball player to ever play the sport overrated. Like, how can you even compare? Like, the Celtics, like... It's just unbelievable. It should have been three straight years of Boston, L.A. in the finals, and Kevin Garnett's knee injury changed all of that. I think Dwight Howard would make KG his bitch anyway. No, not... <laughs> Kevin Garnett was still Kevin Garnett. There's a reason the next year that Dwight Howard was Dwight Howard. Okay, and where was Orlando in 2010 with a healthy Kevin Garnett? Not in the finals. Do you remember how good Dwight Howard was in 2009, dude? I, he was literally transcendent. Okay, and something happened in 2010? Yeah, he fucking broke his brain in his back. Play Kevin Garnett. <laughs> so this this is one that I'm gonna get a little bit of mock for because it, you could argue that it's similar to why I cuddled Boston. Uh, I'm gonna say the San Francisco Giants in 2014, uh, and the reason I said so they they were capping their all these, t- all these tiger beating teams. <laughs> yes, that's another one. Uh, they capped their third World Series in five years. But the most remarkable thing about the San Francisco Giants is they weren't that good. So for actual facts, San Francisco won three World Series in five years. That is true. The last of which was in 2014, which they were immediately, by ridiculous amounts of people, held as a dynasty. Which, generally, if you win three titles in five years, I would give you that. The problem is, to be a dynasty, at some point people have to fear you and be scared to play you. San Francisco Giants, at no point in winning all three of those titles, instilled fear in anyone outside of maybe when Mad Bum was pitching in the postseason. This is a team that was winning 80 games in the regular season and then turning around and turning them into titles, that was getting hot at the extreme right time and had just clutch hitting and clutch pitching in the playoffs when it mattered. and literally stars aligning miracle that they won one let alone three titles and again this is a team almost similar to boston that if you go back no one is putting them up there with the greats but they legitimately at the same time have been called many times a dynasty which again three and five usually does that to you they do not deserve that connotation at all they were never at any point some great elite team they were lucky and clutch and hot as hell at the right time. Uh, as most of your baseball takes are, this is cuddly. Because, <laughs> first of all, number one, they won the division with 92 wins in 2010. They won the division with 94 wins in 2012. And yes, they were a wild card team in 2014. So I can see where you would try to make that argument. They had 88, 88 wins, wins in 2014. In 2014. I understand that. that I said but was then you the built your argument saying that they shouldn't be considered a dynasty when because they didn't strike fear into their opponents. I can guarantee How how many how many games did they win when they didn't make the playoffs the two other years? Uh 76 and 86. Oh, odd years were bad. You, you, you literally didn't make the playoffs the years in between your titles. Okay, so, but I'm still going with you on the cuddly aspect because throughout those three postseason trips, and arguably with 86 wins, they should have been in 2011, but the 2014 team, like, yeah, they were uh, 
maybe not one of their best of the three World Series championships that they got in those five years, but there was not a single person that wanted to face the Giants, especially knowing that Bumgarner with his rubber arm was going to be throwing as many pitches as possible because there was no way they were going to win. I mean, Bumgarner, I think, pitched game five and then came out of the bullpen to pitch five innings in game seven. Like, that, it. I, I get what you're saying. They might have been overrated to an extent, but Bumgarner by himself levels the playing field. Think about what you're saying, though. That, that they needed him to come out and throw five innings right after he just because he was the, the best postseason pitch. Because they weren't that good. They were playing a very good Royals team, and he is pitching as the best postseason pitcher in like this era. So, like, yeah, I get like they you're they're not that good, but if I had that ability to throw Bumgarner, I would have thrown him too, even if I had the best team on the planet. The 2017 cheating Astros would have pitched Bumgarner because nobody was doing anything against him. Oh, we're going to war. So it's cuddly. As always, it's tough because there's aspects on 100%, both sides. But I still think it's cuddly. They're, you know, they are, you know, three out of five years is phenomenal, um, and there aren't that many in baseball over the last, you know, 30 years that you can say has right. done that. Uh, 50 years you could say has done that. Yeah, the Yankees, Red Sox, not much else. Um, it's crazy. I acknowledge that. It's awesome. Do the Red Sox do three in five oh, years? Oh, five years? Oh no. Yeah, in five years, no, they didn't. Oh four, oh seven, and thirteen. Like that's in eighteen. That's four in you know the in the in the yeah. century. You know, but in the, but Dick, yeah, you know, the three out of five years is you know as impressive as all hell. The fact that they couldn't do a damn thing in the odd number of years is hilarious to me and always will be. Um, well, again, eighty six wins is not not 12. doing anything. No, no, it's not. I mean, the, the seventy six well, wins. Seventy six is yeah, that's not. Bad. I would agree. Um, but. I'm going to go Cudley just because I think there are some more overrated squads you could have picked over a team that won their third World Series in yeah. five years. That's what makes them overrated. But to be fair, this is your backup because you did have the Celtics. <laughs> right. It is my backup. It's still Cudley. It's, um, it's Cudley for me. Weird enough, like I like those uh, 49ers team or 49ers, those Giants teams, that um, except for the one that beat the Tigers. But the other ones, I was a fan of Bumgarner. I was a fan of Tim Lincecum. Um, and those those big haired pitchers that uh that that they're trotting out there, and they're a very good MLB 2K I team. I love Lincecum. Who was not All as right. big of a fan. And to finish before. the night, the most underrated team, championship team of the last 20 years. This one was um pretty easy for me, and I'll give uh. I give some credit to um, Bill Simmons because he actually just talked about this team on his last book of basketball podcast. Uh, so I, w- I went and looked at them. And oddly enough, it feels like weird picking them because they are part of a dynasty. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, just this iteration of the team, because it's, you know, early in it, doesn't really get the, the love that uh, maybe they should. But the 2003 San Antonio Spurs, this was a team that had Tim Duncan at the peak of his abilities. We've never seen better Tim Duncan than in 2003, especially in the playoffs. Um, They had Steven Jackson, 
who's you know fantastic podcast now, but was a good player. Uh, Steve Kerr too. They still had Tony Parker. He wasn't peak Tony Parker, but it was still a young Tony Parker that could do a lot of the things that you liked. They had uh, rookie manager Ginobili too, who same kind of thing. Not the not the Manu that you know you might know, but he still had uh, all of his Manu tendencies. It was still able to affect the game in any way that he could. Uh, David Robinson, and then just for good measure, they added two Michigan State Spartans on there, Steve Smith and Kevin Willis, and that, of course, can can never hurt your chances. Uh, but they also had Bruce Bowen, you know, obviously one of the best defenders ever. But this is a team that, you know, they ran through the regular season. They finished 60 and 22. They beat, I want to say this is the year that they beat the, uh, yeah, they beat the Nets in the finals. Yep. And in that finals, uh, again, just to kind of give you some context for like how how crazy Tim Duncan was, he averaged 24 points, 17 boards, five assists, and five blocks Jeez. per game in the finals. Uh, yeah, just like in re- remarkably um, crazy what Tim Duncan was able to do. And then you still did have the other guys who, again, they could give you. They could do things for you, even if it's part of their dynasty that didn't mature till later. Tony Parker still gave you 14 points and was the second-leading scorer on that team. Um, again, we mentioned Steven Jackson, uh, average double digits, Manu at eight points a game, uh, four boards, two assists, two steals. So, he's again, he's still doing some of those things that you always know Manu Ginobili to do. Um, and they had some uh, obviously terrific defenders on the team. David Robinson, Steven Jackson, Tim Duncan. Uh, I miss it. Bruce Bowen, obviously. Um, yeah, they're just a, a really solid team, and they did take down the um, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, uh, you know, on their way. So it's not like they didn't have. Um, it's not like you know they weren't tested until the until the NBA Finals. Uh, they were very battle tested um, up to that point, and they're you know really the one of the best teams all year. And then they proved it in the um, proved it in the postseason. It's absolutely grizzly, and I think that's why they get overlooked to an extent, is because they get washed out with the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. You look at, that was coming off the run, the Lakers had just repeated, and the Lakers, the previous year, won their third title by sweeping the Nets, the same team that the Spurs went to six games with in their championship run the following year, and so they kind of toppled the Lakers that year, and then immediately back after that, the Lakers went back to the finals the following year. It was just a massive five-year run by the Lakers of just domination outside of what people kind of looked at as a blip. Now, obviously, we know that the Lakers went on to lose to the Pistons in 04, and then they had the falling out, and Shaq left, and then the Spurs ended up making it back and then winning their second title in three years, this one against the Pistons. I don't know why we always have to talk about teams that beat our goddamn teams, uh, but I, I, they just kind of get lost amid the transition really from the Lakers to the Spurs and then a few years later then the Lakers repeat again and they're just kind of that castaway team in that decade run of NBA Finals teams. Yeah it's absolutely grisly for me that Spurs dynasty is one of the I think greatest that I mean they were dominant when they and and I they laid a foundation that, like, obviously Pop continued to build on, right? To where, like, even that dynasty was as relevant towards the end of Duncan's career as it is, as it was back then. 
So, 100% Grizzly take. Yeah, that's probably why this team gets overlooked. So much more success. Because he had yeah. those, uh, he had that title. Yeah. Or he had those two titles, really. Um, or, yeah, the, the one title at the end, because Miami won two, and they won. Uh, but, yeah, they had the title in 14. I think people are, they, that's the one they look at, obviously, because you had LeBron, and then you, you had Kawhi then. No, it's cuddly as all hell. The Lakers swept that same team that took the Spurs Fuck to you. six games, and you can't be a dynasty when a team's three-peating in the middle of it. Mine is literally the most disrespected sports team of all time in the history of my lifetime ever. It, this is so easy. This is the easiest one in the world. It's the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. It is so god dang unreal how much disrespect this team gets because they were so damn good and this was a lot of the same characters that got absolutely robbed five years prior against the same team although not with the same characters against the heat won the nba literally rigged the finals so that Dwayne wade could take the heat with pat riley to a title absolutely screwed the mavericks but in 2011 they got all the revenge in the world in the most, and they did in dominant fashion. Like there was no, they absolutely took this series. They they were, didn't have it given to them. They did not have a team laid down for them. They went out and they took this series on a fantastic a supporting cast that never gets enough credit. A team that played so well as a team, which is the thing that Miami Heat were not ready to do back then. And all anybody ever talks about is how the Heat failed and how did they lose with all that talent. Mind you, the first year of having that talent, the first year of any of these players playing together, still trying to figure out how to play as a team. Everyone just talks about how the Heat choked and LeBron choked and everyone choked. And just so much disrespect on the Mavericks that truly were a fantastic team. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you. I'm going to go Grizzly on that one. I, I have nothing to add to it. It's just Grizzly. You're right. Uh, it's Grizzly for the fact that Jason Terry decided to get a tattoo with him winning the championship before the season started and then went out and won that championship with those Dallas Mavericks. Jason Kidd got his finally. Uh, the uh, the Matrix got his finally. It was a perfect storm for them of journeymen who have been along, Hall of Famers that have been along for a long time and had not been able to get it done. They came together as a team and got it done. And Dirk was sick as all hell at the end there and still got it done. I mean, they swept the Lakers, dude. They swept the, the Lakers coming off two straight titles. They swept the Lakers. Be Oklahoma. Wasn't that when Andrew Bynum sucked or yep. wasn't he on the Lakers anymore? Is that when he went to be Philly? O- be OKC <laughs> with all their star players. Like, So this is, uh, this is cuddly because the team's not underrated. People love this Mavericks team because they did beat LeBron James um, and because LeBron choked against them. He had his worst finals by far in his career even worse than in 07 which you know should get thrown out and i think generally um generally it does but it's not that it's not that the team wasn't good but people do love this team for that reason because they love to hate on lebron um it's gotten dirk way more legacy play than he uh, otherwise would have had people can you know stomach mark cuban a little bit more um same thing with guys like Jason Kidd, Jason Terry, you no know, JJ Barea. These are uh, Jason Kidd was a, a, a known name before that, but you know they had those supporting guys who are now you know who they are, right? Even a guy like Deshaun Stevenson, you know about Deshaun Stevenson because it's a team that uh, it's a team that won and they got a lot of um, you know I think they've gotten the roses 
that they've deserved for this victory. Um, and even in hindsight, I think you get a lot of uh, a lot of people kind of in the NBA realm um, talking about how impressive that uh, that playoff streak was because they beat I think they beat San Antonio too. Um, I think it was San Antonio, LA, OKC, and uh, and then obviously the Heat. I don't think um, they played. San I'd have I'd have to check on if it's the Spurs, it was. but um, I don't know who it was, but I it was definitely it was. definitely definitely the Lakers and um, oh shit, uh, definitely the Lakers and you know, obviously the Thunder. Um, but you know, to to me, they get the, the love and the respect that they deserve, and it's elevated Dirk to this um, you know this this higher level tier than uh, than maybe he should even be in. Maybe it's elevated him a little bit too much. But you know, this it's a team that, in my opinion, gets a lot of respect, especially after the fact. No, they beat the Trailblazers. That was the year no, the, well, that Memphis the Spurs, took over the Spurs. The shocker of this of the first round. Oh, grin grind. All right, my turn. Yep, and if you take mine, I'm going to cry. Well, here's the deal. I was actually, I had a team prepared, and I'm going to say who that was, but I'm actually changing my answer. Is that allowed? Yes. Okay, so originally I was going to go with the 04 Pistons, but I'm going to stay in the same year but change sports and go with the 04 Red Sox because... What? Let me finish. That team, obviously you have the history, right, of the curse that they broke. Um, good team put together, but I think a lot they get because of the curse, because of the fact that they were down three games to nothing in the ALCS against the Yankees. No team had ever come back from that. Uh, we're facing the greatest closer of all time, Mariano Rivera, in games three and four, and actually made him blow a save. Um, I think because of all that hype and media, you actually they are underrated in how good that team actually was um to go on and sweep the world series from the st louis cardinals um i just something drew me to the boston red sox 2004 and i think that's my answer for this uh grizzly takes i gotta go cuddly just because if you think of any team over the 21st century winning a championship it is the 04 red sox for coming back from three nothing against the same yankees that took them out in seven games the year before aaron boom with the home run shot to send the yankees onto the world series the year before and they just got ass blasted in the first three games by the yankees and here we go again the yankees are your daddy blah 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 and then damon and co the ragtag group was able to respond and rebound in a way that baseball had never, ever seen before. I don't know how this team could ever be underrated because they're the first team I think of when I think of winning a championship in the 21st century. It's uh, it's cuddly for me too, mainly just, you know, echoing Matt is this team rightfully so always gets the lore for ending the uh was the 86 year championship drought that the that the red sox have um and again they, you know players were great in their own right but uh you know you had guys like manny ramirez um was david ortiz on that team yep. i think so he's an alcs um, you know, mvp guys like that who you know, isn't isn't that didn't make their careers, um, but that certainly helped. You know, kickstart them and then elevate them into like just this kind of all-time pantheon, and then they had great careers continuing from that. But uh, I feel like you know, especially during during um, 2004, this team was, or you know, after the fact that they won the World Series, it seemed like it was all you heard anybody talking about. 
So unlike the 2013 Red Sox, this team is actually very highly regarded. Uh, that same list that Matt brought up earlier has the 2004 Red Sox as the third, third best championship team since 2000. It's pretty high up there. Uh, they get all the props in the world. It's funny that uh, Matt Ryan mentioned uh, the extra props the Mavs get for taking down LeBron and the hated Eagles. Uh, the Red Sox got all of that and more when they came back 3-0 to take out the Yanks. I mean, that was all, all of the positive points in the world. Nobody hates anybody more than baseball fans outside of New York hate the Yankees and half of New York, not, not half New York, but 10% of Mets fans. Uh, and they, not only did they come down from three, we forget they won eight games in a row, actually, because they swept a 105-win St. Louis team. A Cardinals team that won 105 games. You want to, we always talk about here how, how did the Tigers lose to the Cardinals. And, this is worse. They had 105 wins and they got swept in the World Series. Now you're talking about a Red Sox team that ran off eight straight wins to go from the brink of defeat in the ALCS to World Series crown. And they won 98 games in the regular season. This was no slouch. They were a great team all year long. The only reason that they didn't get as much hype until they did what they did was because they were still playing second fiddle to the Yankees. And once that was done, it was done. So I, I'm not Honestly, it's shocking, but I have to cuddle an AJ baseball take. I just threw this out there because there was too much grizzly tonight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I stand by what I said. All right. I honestly might have cuddled the Pistons one as well because I feel like that team actually gets a ton of respect. So, this team to me is the forgotten champion of the 21st century. This is a team that fought and clawed their way year after year and just kept falling short, whether it was to the Red Sox usually or to someone else. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the Bonds situation that makes this team forgotten, but the 2002 Anaheim Angels, a 99-win team that beat the Yankees in four, they beat the Twins in five, and then went up against a Giants team that you know was revered just for bonds alone but jeff kent was there as well you had a management crew of mike shosha joe madden and bud black and a young pitching staff led by john lackey that was down three two in the series to the giants won game six and went on to win game seven and rob not rob because they earned it but stopped barry bonds from winning his world series during his heyday during his highest points as a baseball player one of the greatest we had ever seen and i like i said i don't know if it's because mlb just completely washed everything bonds did as soon as he was done but the 2002 Anaheim Angels, to me, are the forgotten champion of the 21st century. That's uh, cuddly for me, only because you can't take a championship away from Barry Bonds and then just expect me to be uh, expect me to be cool with it. But that proves oh, how they underrated the Dodgers, they are. Anyways. And I saw if, them If they were the Dodgers and, and not the outfield. Angels, it would have been yep. remembered. It's absolutely yeah. grisly. In every... Uh, yep. Even now, I mean, they are... Like, he, Matt said it perfect. Mm-hmm. They're forgotten. And how do you forget you got the Yankees 
and you got the ace have more wins than anybody. And then on top of that, you got Barry Bonds looking for that elusive title. And no, you just got Rally Monkey and the 99 win Angels is running through everybody. And speaking of the Dodgers, you say it'd be remembered. They, they, they've won the title. What have the Dodgers done? Yep. When, when's the last Dodgers title? It hasn't been since 2002. I can tell you that. Uh, no, I, I this is literally a forgotten team. And they really do deserve to be up there with some of the really great teams we've seen. Yeah, the, hundred, like this is probably the most grisly take of the entire night. Um Ryan, you're good with Jerry Sloan and some of the... AJ's mad. No, I, well, you know why? Because I forgot about him to prove his point. Like, yes. um, <laughs> but just this, you're 100% right on this. That 2002 team just riddled with talent that nobody really talks about anymore. Troy Gloss, Garrett Anderson, and Tim Salmon, all those guys. Um, and then that coaching staff that you mentioned, right? Everybody forgets Joe Madden worked for Mike Sosha. Bud Black, who has done a great job with... Uh, the, forgets like I... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Bud Black doing his job with the Rockies. Like, this is the absolute, you know, great pick. Great great call. Let's see what their pitching staff looks like. Yeah. Troy oh, Percival. <laughs> yeah. Scott Schoenweiss. Yeah. I mean, just great call, Matt. Thank you. Well, that ends that night. Ryan, do the thing. Make sure that you follow us on all our social medias. Our Facebook is going to be Sports Carnage Podcast. Our Twitter, you can hit us up at Sports Carnage. Find us on YouTube, which is at Sports Carnage Podcast. Um, And anywhere that you guys stream your podcast, except for Spotify, and maybe even SoundCloud. But if you're using SoundCloud, elevate your life. Um, You can find us, whether it's Podbean, iTunes, google play if you just type in the name you can find us and stream us but make sure you like subscribe share uh comment review of the content that we uh that we work hard to put out for you guys thank you guys very much for aj riley paul roshan ryan griffin i'm matt bassin we are sports carnage thank you all for spending a few hours with us tonight we will be back with y'all next week